Warp drive's broken. I got this. Well, if she'll make it, but... Don't you worry, baby. If I die, send my ashes to boobies. Everybody and welcome to Anime Baby, a podcast where you get everything except jiggly waitresses and not so hot wings. <laughs> this is your host, your merry companion on this wagon in space, baby, Mikey. And joining me as always is coming back here three weeks ago in, from space. Your co-host Ryan. Is that your final dandy? Uh, I think that will final? be my final dandy. <laughs> you are correct. Hey. <laughs> and once again, joining us, our special guest. It's your spooky lad, spooky something. I don't know. <laughs> it's your fall boy, Tony. Hi. Is that your final dandy? Yeah, sure. It, I'm, it's good enough. It's good enough. <laughs> you are correct. Wow! Holy <laughs> crap! I did it. And welcome back to the summer of Toonami in, in October. Yeah, if like uh, when you see this uploaded and you're wondering, hey, this came out in October. What's going on? Oh. <laughs> you know, summer doesn't end until we say it is. Yep. And let's just say, things popped up, we couldn't record when we wanted to, so... Yeah, conclusion to Summer of Toonami is going to happen in October, so... But whatever. We're on baby time, that's how it works. That's, that is how it works. I'm a, I'm split between two minds, between, like, having to focus on Dandy and, like, our Toonami, uh, and also getting into the spooky mood. Yeah, because, uh... I'm just going to say this now for you folks listening at home. You're in for a very packed October when it comes to podcasts from us. <laughs> I mean, we're treating you. Yeah, we are treating you. Yeah, you're handing out podcasts left and right like they're Halloween candy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but nothing dangerous there. We're not hiding any razor blades or whatever. It's all treats <laughs> It's here. all treats here. My baby. No tricks. None. But yeah, welcome back to the summer of Tanami in the fall, and also welcome back to the world of Space Dandy. Oh yeah, like, this is the second half of our two-parter, as we are now talking about season two of our series of the dandiest guy in all the space. And going into the second season, I kind of want to talk about uh, the lead-up to it, you know, the series, like, the season ended, like, er early spring, and then, like, we're finally getting it in the summers, you know, so what was it like waiting for, like, more dandy goodness at the time? Uh, I I welcomed it, honestly, like, anticipation, you know, it's, uh... It was a nice little break. Makes the heart yearn stronger. Yeah, and, like, also... It was kind of a new thing for me because, like, I wasn't really into streaming anime at the time or following seasonal anime, so 
watching something as it came out and then having to wait for more. Like it was, it was kind of new for when it comes to anime for me. Mm. I mean, let's. I mean, I gotta be honest. It wasn't really new for me because like I, I wait oh, for man. shit all the time. Well, yeah, like usually with like <laughs> other TV shows like American television, but for like anime, I was used. I'm used to like popping in a Blu-ray or a DVD and watching it immediately and finishing it all in one go. Or right. at the time, I was still in my anime club and uh, I was watching week to week, and then we finished it at the end of the at the end of the uh, semester. No, I've been through this song and dance before with like other shows. So oh yeah, Dandy was no different. So mm. I welcome the uh, little break there. But uh, I also want to talk about uh, what was the state of Toonami but in between uh, both seasons. Uh, season one ended on March 29th, twenty fourteen, and funnily enough, uh, timing wise, it, that was actually the weekend before that year's anime detour and uh, WrestleMania thirty. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> so like back to back weekends, it was packed. It was like. Full of hype and everything, and also, like, detour afterwards, so, like, everyone was kind of coming together, like, after the end of season one of Dandy, so we were kind of, like, riding a Dandy high at the uh-huh. time. It was a good bonding moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Combined with, like, you know, WWE, the the rise of Daniel Bryan Danielson at the time, too, so just everything in the world of, like, media and entertainment was kind of firing on us. Yeah, and it was all world. fine was and Dandy. Stuff. And as for Toonami, uh, here's what the block was like at the time, as it ran from 11.30 p.m. Eastern, uh, 10.30 p.m. Central, until 6 a.m. Eastern to 5 a.m. Uh, Central. Like, God, remember those days? Like, six and a half hour Toonami blocks That's starting hot. long before midnight. But uh, this is what the whole lineup was like right when uh, Dandy ended. As uh, Dandy kicked off the block, it was followed by uh, Bleach, uh, Naruto Shippuden, One Piece... Blue Exorcist, Black Lagoon, which actually came in uh, that night. It, it replaced uh, Soul Eater probably a week before. Nice. nice. OG Naruto, Ghost in the Shell Standalone Complex, FMA Brotherhood, the original Samurai Jack, IGPX, Star Wars The Clone Wars, and Symbionic Titan to close things out. I mean, that's a lot when you really lay it out. It really is. Yeah, but just... Look at that variety right there. That was kind of crazy. Yeah, there's a lot of something for everyone. That just, is what you hope to see out of the channel. Just as long as you're willing to stay up or set your DVR. Right. Star Wars The Clone Wars. Like, remember when that aired on Toonami? <laughs> it, it kind of fit. It does fit, because they aired the original Tartakovsky Clone Wars, too. Right, right. So it's only natural they would air that. Though, unfortunately for me, it wouldn't be until years later where, until I actually watched it and learned to appreciate The Clone Wars for how good it is. Yeah, yeah. And also another one that uh, kind of sticks out to me is, uh, remember Blue Exorcist? Remember when we all thought oh, yeah. that was going to be good and that was a massive that was, disappointment? That was hot shit for a while there. Ah, uh, you know, it, it baffles me that it's still going on to this day, the manga. Right? It's still not finished. <laughs> it's still in the middle of its final arc. Really? Yeah, it's still trying to like finish up and wrap up. Huh. I'll be damned. I and guess like, the anime is long. And I legitimately, legitimately forget, like, was there, like... Okay, like, is there, like, anything quality-wise to the series that, like, made people fall off with it? I don't care about broadcast. Like, I don't care about, like, how the anime turned out or, like, the the Kyoto arc or whatever the fuck ever. Like, yeah, that contributed, but, like, (laughs) I guess I want to know from people, like, is Blue Exorcist (laughs) down the line still, like, actually good? I guess if you talk to hardcore fans about it, they may say yes, but... Well, that's hardcore fans. I'm looking so for an objective opinion. <laughs> I'm looking for someone willing to go through all those chapters objectively. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, like, granted, it didn't help where, like, it only really got one season, and then it got, like, uh, another season, and then that was it. 
Yeah, and then like everyone forgot about it because I'm sure other shonen popped up and everyone's interests moved on. And also, overall, Blue Exorcist is, as MGF would say, mid. Mid. Yeah. I, but like, there's still something to the artwork though that looks the art's kind very of, nice. That does look kind of good. Like I don't know. Like, part there's part of me deep down that wants to give it a chance, but like I really wanted to like it at the time, but yeah, I just couldn't get into it. But I just want to know if there's like a deeper reason for why. Like, it just fell off completely and why I don't ever hear anyone talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> ever. <laughs> uh, unless, like, the, unless the creator did, like, something really shitty or there's, like, some questionable writing choices later on, then I could understand that. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, please, any, anyone out there, inform me of that, if you know the answer to that. But, uh, yeah, that schedule was uh, end of March, beginning of April, and uh, that following May, Tsunami would receive a couple of new additions in the form of Beware the Batman, remember that show? I mean, I remember it. Yeah, oh. you, you I remember it was a real mixed bag. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, between the two of us, you watched it more than I did, and you would tell me just basically what else happened, because I didn't really care much for it. Yeah. I, I think part of me was kind of hoping it would be, like, something akin to a... Uh, something akin to on the level of Batman the Animated Series. Oh, uh, yeah. Nope. Like, something it for, like, happened. a new generation, even with the 3D animation and whatnot, and the... Focus on lesser villains and the Batman mythos, and uh, <laughs> it really didn't. It really did not meet that bar. Nah, it it tried its best. It, it tried its best. I give it a little more credit than others, but no, close but no cigar. That series. <laughs> at least they tried to do. At least they tried to do something with like the Outsiders, who were started by Batman. I'm like, okay, that's actually unique for like. A Batman story like you're actually trying to go for that you didn't get there you almost did but what can you do yeah I mean give it give it credit for like trying something new with Batman yeah and also the other new uh, acquisition for Tanami around the time uh, probably its biggest acquisition of the year other than Dandy uh, little series may have heard of it may have not uh, attack on Titan Oh yeah, yeah that, that was that around was big. that time. was that was the whole beginning of an era yeah remember remember that time period when Attack on Titan hadn't worn out its welcome yet. Yeah, that yeah that that first season was huge, and then every season after that, whoop, people didn't care as much. Also, remember when it had good animation? Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm just saying those were those were sometimes. Yeah, when just everyone lost. Man, their Titan shit over was that. the most squandered opportunity ever because it's like it was huge, and then they just took forever and ever and ever and ever to follow up that second season. Mm. Yeah. But uh, having a heavy hitter like Titan definitely helped uh, tide us Toonami viewers over until Dandy came back for, like, those three months. And, of course, we also had other things, too, like uh, reruns of Season 1, which kind of helped, uh, you know, just kept uh, Dandy in our minds a bit. We also mm-hmm. had all, some of the other Toonami shows, like One Piece, which was in the middle of its uh, Water 7 Annie's Lobby arc. And also uh, Black Lagoon, which is just... It's Black Lagoon. It's amazing. Yeah, that's a it's, classic. It's a crowd pleaser. Yep. Everyone loves that. But uh, while we had all these good shows, I was just... I was just really itching for more Dandy. Of course. I was itching for Dandy, too. That's what we were all rooting for. Everyone loves Dandy. Everybody loves Dandy. And (laughs) then, on July 5th, 2014, our Dandy guy in space made his grand return with the start of Season 2. And we even had a little uh, mini marathon before uh, we got to the Season 2 premiere as they aired the last two episodes of Season 1, preempting Attack on Titan and Bleach for that one night. And uh, that night was doubly good, as uh, not only did we get the return of Dandy, but we also got a break from Bleach, which was in the middle of that fucking awful Fullbringer arc. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we, we all needed a break from that for during that time. And if, and if uh, you were following me on Twitter during that time, you've seen, you've 
You would have seen me constantly giving out about Bleach every single week going, God, this is stupid. Just end this already. <laughs> I hate this art so much. It was definitely getting to that point. Yeah. <laughs> Please, just just end. And, and now look at us all these years later. People are like, no, start it up again. Can't wait for Bleach, baby. Thousand Year Blood War, baby. <laughs> yeah, Bleach time. Let's go. I hope all you people out there are like just excited to get disappointed again. <laughs> I, I was thinking that exact same yeah, thing. Yeah, really. Just wow, I, I can't wait for all of once. you to just like subject yourselves to that. Like you fucking like <laughs> you fucking sick, you fucking masochist. <laughs> You want to submit yourself to, like, long-ass battles between characters that you only tangentially care about? Yup. <laughs> characters who haven't done shit for, like, arcs and, like, anything or anything before? You all want to go back to that? Also a villain that's a hand? Yeah, you you ready for hand villain later? <laughs> Handman from Freakazoid. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I hope you're all ready to subject yourselves to that again. Like you, you, none of you learned your lesson. Oh, none Kubo. of you. I remember that time. I never forgot. <laughs> I never forgave. I mean, at the very least, it'll look good because it's done by the same people who did Akudama Drive, and that show is very stylish. I mean, yeah. At least, at least from what I've seen of the trailers, it, it'll at least look good. Even after, ultimately, after all this time, I don't care. Let Bleach fans have this. I, I don't care anymore. And at the very, very least, if it airs on Toonami, I'll watch it. Yeah, why not? It, I mean, it probably will air eventually. Yeah. So, yeah, after that uh, three-month break, we were all hyped for more Dandy, and uh, I gotta say, it came back better than ever with more of what we love and oh, even yeah. some things that I never thought we'd get. Oh, yeah. Show. And, like, some of those things, like, crop up more than once, too. <laughs> like, it's kind of surprising how much certain things just happen in the series. <laughs> so, we got a pack season two to talk about, so let's get right into it. Let's do it. We're talking all about Space Dandy Season 2, so without further ado, let's start the show, baby. Let's blast off. Episode 14, I Can't Be the Only One Baby, directed by Masahiro Mukai and written by Kimiko Ueno. Such a fantastic episode to return with. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's like they almost planned for this episode to be as good as it was. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, they, Mukai did a few episodes of Madoka, some stuff with Terror Resonance, and 
and they're currently the director of a little show you may have heard of it called My Hero Academia. <laughs> yep. Small little show. I don't L- know. Little show. You can see you can see the the quality reflect in this episode. And then oh. Kimiko Uno, they did a ton of episodes last season. Oh yeah, like uh, they're she, like one of the yeah. She's like one of the chief writers of the show. Yeah, she probably she uh, popped up like a lot in uh, season one, and she will continue to pop up. Yep. So like I, I love how this one starts off with like Dandy and the crew trying to pass off a cow as an alien at the registration center. Yep. <laughs> like I see this and I'm just thinking, did they actually think this would work? Who knows. Maybe they've never seen a cow before. You know, it's maybe one of them space cows. Yeah. Hey, in space, these are like a, a, a delicacy. <laughs> you know you know how cow, cows have four stomachs? Well, space cows have five stomachs. You, you, you can't see them. It doesn't show up on an x-ray, but they're there. Yep, they're there, and you gotta pay me. <laughs> so they try the stupid bullshit, and Scarlet is just fed up. Like, she's not even mad. She's just disappointed She's just like, them. you guys, Really? And, like, she even suggests that they just change careers as they are the worst alien hunters she has ever seen. <laughs> and considering, like, the alien registration center is, like, packed every time we see it, that's saying something. Because she probably goes through a lot of hunters. Mm-hmm. And oh, she has yeah. to deal with, like, you know, these dingbats every single week. Yeah, these morons. So after uh, licking their wounds a bit here, Dandy then uh, gets, like, a stray hair coming out of his uh, pompadour. And then pulls that. And then that hair drags the entire crew to... An alternate dimension. <laughs> and then we meet an alternate dimension, Dandy, Meow, and QT, all played by the same actors, mind you. This is how we kick things off. We start addressing the whole multiple dimensions and stuff like that. The whole multiverse theory kind of thing. With the Dandy show. was so far this, this whole its time. It's, it's, it's into the Dandyverse, this yeah. episode. <laughs> Basically. Man, the anim- and the, like the animation of them going between the universe or the multiverses is so cool looking. Oh yeah, absolutely. And th- and this episode more than more than it, maybe maybe than any other episode, like the, the character designers are really working overtime to deliver like unique uh, designs for these. Yeah, characters. unique dandies. There's one of like a QT in an alternate universe, and then you can look on the screen, and then there then there's a little logo that says Bones on it. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, that's a cute little self insert. It's like they went to the entire animation team and thought, okay, everyone. Give us your own interpretation of Dandy and the crew. Like, okay, we're going into they're the, the first place. They're going into a universe where Dandy is cool and he's competent at his job. Design that. Uh, there's a, another universe where Dandy is a trucker. So mm-hmm. uh, d- d- design that whole universe. <laughs> there's a universe where uh, Dandy's a boy genius. So design that. I don't know. <laughs> like, have fun with it. And considering the fact that despite we have, like, all these different, like, character designs and everything, like... Technically, this is kind of considered a bottle episode because we only really have, like, what, four distinct characters throughout the entire episode. Yeah, right, yeah. yeah. But God, does this it's, episode just radiate fun uh-huh. everywhere. I this love is such this a one. fun episode. Like, we have many dandies, QT's meows. We even have some, like, alternate dimension honeys. Mm-hmm. Like, this first one is, like, uh, you know, she's kind of like this dandy's main squeeze, but she's also throwing up red cards because she thinks dandy's a pervert. <laughs> And also I did like this introduction right here, which was used for the season two promos where you have the alternate Dandy going, the name's Dandy, D-A-N-D-Y, and don't you forget it. And then our Dandy goes, well, my name's also D-N-A. It's Dandy, <laughs> you get it. It's, it's really good comedic timing. <laughs> yep. And like it even spells it out in the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> <With> some graphics. <laughs> 
But yeah, we get tons of, like, dynamic animation with, like, each of these, like, different dandies and these meetings, like... And then we get, like, another bit where QT has, like, a pube growing out of his head. <laughs> yeah. And then pulls that, and then we get more alternate dimensions. Like you say, we get the, the trucker dimension with, like, a uh, sexy lady meow. Yup. <laughs> Which is, like... I, I, when I first saw that, I was just all, like, this is weird, but I'm alright with this. <laughs> yeah. And then after that, we then get, like, another dimension where we have, like, this little Michael Jackson dandy. I love that dandy. It's the shonen kid, go, kid Goku dandy. Complete. Who's making Michael Jackson just... noises. <laughs> while the animators just flex on him blasting the gang. Like, it's literally just Ian Sinclair in the booth going, It's incredible. <laughs> Also, the, the QT in that dimension looks like uh, the robot from Super Milk Chan. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. So yeah, we're meeting all these different Aloha Oi crews, and then like the narrator starts to set things straight, because things are starting to get really jumbled here. As the crew keeps pulling these cosmic strings, which sends them to like one of many alternate universes, complete with their own crew. And like we even get more universes like Mobile Suit Dandy, <laughs> Space Ninja Dandy, Space Inspector Dandy. Attack on Dandy, Lady Dandy, Mascot Dandy, Toy Dandy, Triangle Dandy, Raspberry Dandy. There's, a, there's a Dandy there's, for every season. Yeah, really. It's it's wonderful. Were there any dandies that you were hoping to see? Like, did, did you ever have any ideas of, like, God, I wish they would have done this or whatever? Uh, dandy Punk. <laughs> <laughs> dandy Punk would be good. Dandy, uh, dandy Noir. Ooh, that would be good. Mmm, yeah. I actually also thought of this idea of, like, uh... Kind of like a Lupin universe, you know, where yeah, like Danny Lupin and the crew are yeah. like the Lupin gang and uh, gels like Zenigata. <laughs> Wrestler Dandy. Wrestler Dandy could have done that. His yeah. Mirror World version, Yinad. <laughs> Yinad. <laughs> Bizarro Dandy, where he's like Bizarro Superman. He speaks in opposites. <laughs> I don't like booty. <laughs> <laughs> Take me to booties. <laughs> You, you, you get Dandy who has, like, a thing for anime girl feet. <laughs> oh, God, <laughs> motherfucker! <laughs> ah, there's the opposite. Yes! Right it's, a, it's a JP Dandy. Oh, Lord. <laughs> Love you, JP. Nice. <laughs> Me free all the Dandies in the universe. <laughs> it's got, like, that fucked up blocky skin. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he says hello when he leaves, goodbye when he arrives. <laughs> Lives underwater. Maybe instead of goodbye, he says bad bye. <laughs> There's even, like, a great bit where there's, like, an alternate Dr. Jell and B, where Jell's, like, a regular gorilla and B has, like, a carrot head. Yeah. And, like, the first thing we see them, they're just kind of dancing in the ship. <laughs> so then Dandy pulls another cosmic string, they get back home, but then they bring in all of the different dandies and crews with them back to their own universe. And then, like, they just kind of say fuck it, and they just all go to boobies. Yeah, it's all just one mm -hmm. big party now. Just have a party over boobies. You know, they're all like, who's picking up the tab? Honey... Anything for dandies. <laughs> yeah. But, like, it's it's also one of those things where, like, watching this episode, it's like, you ever notice how, like, whenever weird shit happens to the crew, they're kind of concerned at first, but after a while, they just kind of accept it and move on? It, it's kind of how yeah, these really. jokes go with dandy quite often. And then it reaches a point where the world just starts to collapse on itself because they pulled all the different dandies from other universes and they... And if they don't have that, they're breaking, like, the natural order of things. Yeah, reality is just kind of undoing itself. And then we also see, like, there's other narrators, too. And it's just, <laughs> like, Arbrus Elliot just going back and forth talking with, to himself in, like, different accents and stuff. It's 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 a continual yeah. escalation with the plot of this episode. Like, how, how much crazier can we make this go until, like, we have to, like, just implode it all? And then they all have, like, a big uh, dandy meeting to, where they're all like, okay... 
how are we going to fix all of this? Because this is a huge, huge mess. Right, yeah. And then we get probably the best dandy. The best dandy is emo dandy. Emo dandy. <laughs> My boy. He kind of has, like, not a pompadour, but, like, little curly hair. And he's just kind of hunched over, sitting down. He's like, I want to die. <laughs> he rules. He's <laughs> just depressed. <laughs> And we get a real creepy meow and cutie as well. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> These two are scary looking. I love them. Just the meow. It's like a guy, cat guy, and he's going. Or like cuties, just this weird little fat man in like a skin tight suit and like a little helmet. He goes all beep boop. Beep boop boop beep. <laughs> like I'll, I'll splice you in a bit of it here, Please. but it's, it's great. I want to die. What? Yowza, who brought Captain Emo on board? The guy reeks of depression. If he wants to die so badly, then why is he sipping on a nutritional drink? Kind of hypocritical if you ask me. Uh. What the hell? It's a monster! That thing, it's mewing. If so, then that guy's... Yeah. He's the meow from my universe. <coughs> That's it. That's all he ever says. I've got a translator, but it doesn't understand him. I can't tell what that nightmare's saying either. Let me ask you. What do you think that meow is carrying underneath his arm? Uh, it looks like a helmet to me. You'd think so, right? But you want to hear something strange? I've never seen him put it on. Okay, then what's it for? That's what I'd like to know. Uh, look, someone else has shown up. It's a person in some kind of spacesuit. <sighs> no, you don't think he's... That old codger's your QT? Yeah. I am not an old codger. I'm a state-of-the-art robot, thank you. Watch. <laughs> oh, crap, damn it. Uh... Imagine how much my life sucks. I'm stuck with a scary-looking guy I can't understand who carries around a helmet that I have never seen him wear and a sickly old codger in a pink unitard who insists that he's actually a robot. No wonder the guy's emo. That's gotta be miserable. I wanna die. So, what is their plan to, to pretty much fix everything? All of the dandies light the cosmic strings like a stick of dynamite. <laughs> Everything just blows up. Everything resets to where there's only one dandy meow and cutie. And it's the weird ones. <laughs> yup. <laughs> Emo dandy and his fucked up crew. And then the narrator goes like, all future episodes of Spain's dandy will feature this cast. <laughs> and they remake the cold open with this crew. Yeah, it's such a it's stupid, so silly. it's such a stupid trolling episode. But I couldn't have think, of, I couldn't have thought of any better way to bring back Dandy. That's the broadcast. best way to end it. <laughs> yeah, like that's how we start the second season, just with that. It's, what? Oh my it's God. a good sign. It's a good start. What a high bar this one is. Though I would have loved if, just to commit to the joke, if the next episode just featured this weird crew, just <laughs> just, just for once, just to commit to the joke, make people think, oh, are we getting this crew? And then maybe at the end. 
we get the original crew or back. at least for the opening yeah <laughs> <laughs> like i i, I would have loved that i bet if they made this today they probably would have just for yeah. the fun of it I, oh, man. I don't know maybe back during the days of like haruhi suzumiya i think they would have attempted something like that oh. <laughs> oh. do eight episodes with like different crews doing the same thing yes oh, shit. yes i think back in those back during that day they would have attempted something like that oh, like to one up a... it I, I honestly would have liked that, because at least you're getting something different with each episode. No, because like, if you tried to do that today, like some producer would just say, no, you're wasting money on yeah. a joke. Yeah. That's an incredible <laughs> bit. And to be honest, even I would maybe say that's going a bit too a far. A little too far. Maybe two episodes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, man, that would be so good. We're off to a hell of a start here. Rip, roar, and start. So we have uh, episode 15. There's Music in the Darkness, Baby, directed by Seimei Kidokoro and written by Keiko Nobumoto. Of course, Nobumoto, longtime uh, Watanabe collaborator. Mm-hmm. And then Kiroko has done episodes of Bort, Dokes, Polar Bear Cafe, and a little show called Samurai Flamenco. Oh, yeah. Got a good mix there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure somewhere out there, Corey's ears pricked up as you said that. He's got a manko sense. <laughs> it's like, the ears are ringing. I hear it. So this one starts off with, like, Dandy and Meow getting into, like, a really stupid argument over how a song sounds. Yup. They're all like, no, 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 this song sounds like this. And they kind of hum a few bars, and Dandy's like, no, 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 it sounds like this. And then we have, like, the musician off to the side saying, like, actually, I was playing this song. They're, like, ignoring him. (laughs) But uh, then this actually causes a a rift between the crew, and now uh, Team BBP has to be officially disbanded. And, and, like, Dandy kind of, like, he's kind of acting like a drama queen in this episode. (laughs) He's a big old music snob. And, you know, he's all like, that's it, I'm out of here. And they're all like, wait, don't you want pancakes? Pancakes are too sweet for the bitter pain consuming my heart. Oh, That's almost something that emo dandy would say. Yeah. <laughs> maybe we still, maybe we are still stuck with that. Maybe. Yeah. That version. <laughs> maybe they kind of morphed into each other after the universes collided. <laughs> but, like, apparently Dandy's done this before, so he'll usually come back when he's hungry. But uh, Meow and QT want him to come back home immediately because uh, before he left, they signed him up for the uh, Mr. Misunderstanding competition, and Dandy actually won it. <laughs> and the grand prize is a bunch of free food, but they need Dandy to like it, to uh, cash that in, so they got to go find him. You know, not to get their friend back or anything, just so they can get free food. Because it's free food. <laughs> yeah, you know how hard it is to find that in the universe? <laughs> yeah. But then uh, Dandy gets a letter from a rare alien inviting him to their mansion, and Dandy assumes that this alien is some kind of babe, so he's immediately running towards to meet this person. Immediately assumes it's some hot alien chick. (laughs) Dandy, when he crashed on this planet, he passed by uh, the River of Time, which lays above the planet's atmosphere, and it has the ability to return objects to their uh, previous states in time, and uh, it occasionally reverses course in an event known as uh, Pororoka. So uh, QT and Meow eventually end up on this planet too, and they get chased around by all sorts of creatures and things, you know, like flying wigs and stuff. Yeah. And then the two meet up with a certain rare alien with a ukulele that turns them into smiling statues. Then this alien meets up with Dandy, as we are introduced to Ukulele Man, played here by Bryce Pappenbrook, this weird marionette puppet-looking alien. Like, this thing's really creepy. It's really strange looking. Quite strange for an alien this episode. Also, I gotta say, the casting here is kind of funny because, uh, you know, Attack on Titan was airing at the time. Bryce plays Aaron in that, so, like, we get double dose of Bryce when uh, this oh, aired. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. nice. But uh, Ukulele Man, he's, like, super happy to see Dandy, and he's happy because uh, really loves that smile. You know, he's telling Dandy you should smile more. You look more prettier when you smile. <laughs> <laughs> Though uh, Dandy isn't in a smiling mood because uh, there's no babes around. 
So Danny bails, but then comes across a bunch of weird-looking smiling statues, including ones of uh, Meow and QT. It's all like it's it's very very weird looking. He just wants to. It turns out he wants to collect smiles. Yeah, like uh, Lily man, he has the ability to take over the statues, and he can uh, use their smiles because you know since he's like kind of a puppet, he can't really show facial expression or anything like that. And Dandy has, like, the best smile in all of the world. Like, there's no better smile than one of Dandy. But Dandy tries to bail, and he carries uh, QT and Meow to the River of Time to help return them back to normal, reversing time, so they're back to the, where, the, where they were. And also we get a bit of uh, Cahoon and Dandy here as he starts uh, surfing the River of Time here. Yeah, that's really cool. Hey, he's, that, he's, he's, I really he's like great, that part, He's actually. great when he's in his, surf, in his surfer mood. Yeah. Of yeah. course, really good animation during that part, too, with that's the surfing. Th- that's another thing I really noticed across both seasons is that we get a lot of good surfing animation with the show. Oh, yeah. Like, anytime he's surfing, it's pretty awesome looking. Then Ukulele Man tries to shoot this plan, like, with the River of Time, where, like, he finds a smiling version of Dandy in the past and tries to rip him out, you know, erasing the Dandy that's here now and kind of replacing him with, like, this smiling Dandy, you know, just, like, playing a lot with time and space right here. But then Dandy charges past, charges at Ukulele Man, and then shatters his mask with like one big punch just to stop him. When he does so, it actually imprints an almost like smile like structure on mm-hmm. his like mask like right. face. Yeah, that was actually really cool. Where like the way it breaks, the cracks start to form a smile, <laughs> and he lights on fire. And then right before the flames engulf him, Dandy does tell Ukulele Man he's got a great smile. So like a little, little bit of nice way to end that off here. Yeah. We kind of went. I mean, yeah, we kind of, we kind of went by with that one, but like, no, I I do like that the, the, this episode actually does get across this like one alien's melancholy pretty well, yeah, which I think is one does. of the more prevalent themes you see among uh, the aliens in Space Dandy, or at least the subject matters that yeah, a space more. is a very lonely place. It is, <laughs> and yeah. if we can make our t- if we if we can make our time in it a little more bearable for each other, then it's all the better. Yeah, that's a that's kind of a thing that really does pop up, especially in the second season, where you just kind of get like these. More of these more mellow episodes like this. Yeah, there's a few few more of these coming. It's kind of a strange episode, but definitely fits in with the overall vibe of the show, you know? It really does. And also just like how another thing I notice is that like every episode kind of goes, uh, they really balance it out well where you kind of get like Wacky Town episode, then, uh, you know, Melancholy episode, back and forth. You know, everything's very, very balanced, you know? Yeah, nothing in the series feels really all that like, tonally far out like it, it keeps it all pretty like well contained with the tone of the series yeah like you won't get two similar episodes back to back like every week is like something new you always get that variety which is one of the things i really really love about dandy it's like yeah it's a grab bag of like any kind of story you can get yeah that's one thing i really love about this show is like they're willing to just do all sorts of different things and not stick to just one type of theme or story throughout throughout the entire run of the show and even taking something as simple as, you know, Dandy having a good having a good smile and trying to turn that into a full-on episode with an alien who wants that smile. Yeah. This variety is the spice of life, and really Space Dandy knows how to jazz that shit up. And also the fact that this uh, alien, like, you know, ukulele man, ukulele, kind of with keeping in with the Hawaiian vibes of the show. Mm-hmm. Naturally. Yeah. So, after that episode, we kind of go back into uh, crazy town here. With, Again. Uh, episode 16, Slow and Steady Wins the Race Baby. Written and directed by 
Masaki Yuasa. Yep. Script, storyboard, director, animation director, alien design, art setting, key animation. He did all of that for this episode. Have we ever actually covered anything of his before? No. And honestly, I <laughs> How have we not? Shocking. I kind of want to. Well. Well. Well, the th- funny thing is, is that uh, first two years of uh, Anime Secret Santa, one of the shows I did get suggested was Ping Pong. And I keep holding off on that because I really would like to do an episode on that. We need to find the right time for it, though. Yeah, that and also uh, keep your hands off Azoken. Yes. Mm-hmm. I, I really want to do that. I need to see Azoken, but Ping Pong is one of the yeah, best. Yeah, we, we need to have you, Tony, around oh, for Ping Pong. Me? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, let that, that, that is a definite, a definite, definite stay tuned. You're also like the biggest fan of that series. I we love know Ping Pong so much. <laughs> You're the biggest cheerleader for Ping Pong in the world. <laughs> and, it, and from everything I've seen about it, it really does deserve that love. Yeah, and speaking of Ping Pong, I just gotta, I want to say a little something about Yuasa at this time. This dude was going into fucking overdrive in early 2014. Oh, yeah. He was working on this. Ping Pong was airing from April 11th to June 2014. And, and his episode of Adventure Time aired on June 14th, 2014. Yeah, one month prior to this And this one aired on July 20th, 2014. So he was probably working himself to death. I mean, he was like a hot commodity around that time. Yeah, because I remember around the time, like, you know, watching Cartoon Network, I saw that promo for that Adventure Time episode, uh, Season 6, Episode 7, uh, Food Chain. And, like, I just remember seeing it, like, you know, Masaki Yuasa. And, like, that was actually kind of the first time I ever heard about him. And then I yeah. see this episode of Dandy, and it's all like, oh, that's the same person who did that, that Adventure Time episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, if you've never seen any Yuasa, like, that Adventure Time episode and this episode of Dandy are kind of... They're good starters for you. Yeah, really. As we get super experimental with this one. This one rolls. That, 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 that defines pretty much every Yuasa work, for the most part. He this likes going ass. really experimental, and you know he's inspired by lots of like great animators, especially like U.S. animators as well, and just everything that he makes. He's a really fantastic creator. And, you know, he, he has, I, I, I gotta say, he has like the knack of like making almost any frame of like a show he's worked on. Like, he could take any frame... And just admire it because, like, it's it's a work of art. Because it looks, yeah, it looks so damn good. And writing wise, I would say he knows how to uh, find strike a good balance between uh, both humorous and comedic, but he can also go straight up like tragic and brutal. Oh yeah, like, absolutely. It's why it's why when I found out that he was a uh, when he was doing Devilman Crybaby, I was like, oh yeah, he'll he'll make gold out of that. <laughs> That's a very rules. brutal series. <laughs> and I've always ass. and I've also always championed that. Um, if uh, Inyo Asano is ever going to get uh, Goodnight Pun Pun uh, adapted, that he really that's they need to get Science Saru working on that because Ooh. I think uh, Yuasa and his creative team could really bring to life a series that is uh, a series like that, which is equal parts weird, comedic, and very brutal. Like Ooh. in some ways, as brutal as Devilman <laughs> or his take. Like I've heard you talk about that series, and I'm kind of thinking now, like. Yeah, Yuasa and Science Hour would be good choices to, like, bring that to life in an anime. I can hope. I can hope. Yeah. But, yeah, from the moment this episode starts, you just know it's Yuasa. Like, just from the moment you say go, like, this is full on. His, his fingerprints are just all over this episode. As it all starts off with uh, Dandy getting a ton of money and then spending all that money on a flashlight teleporter. Because, like, they were supposed to get food, but then he thought, like, nah, I want this thing. This is cool. <laughs> 
Yeah. And Meow gets so mad that he takes the teleporter and then transports Dandy's head to a mysterious planet called Pushy Boyfriend. (laughs) (laughs) And Dandy speaks for the audience where he goes, well, this is something different. (laughs) And the first thing he sees, like, in this big, almost like open green field of a planet right here, he spots a fish with sunglasses, headphones, laying under a beach umbrella with a boombox. I love that fish. It rules. Yeah, this uh, fish alien is uh, called uh, Carpaccio, who is an astronaut from Planet Girlfriend, his home planet. (laughs) So you got Pushy Boyfriend and Planet Girlfriend. So weird. I love it. And he's been uh, stranded on Pushy Boyfriend for a decade, predicting that the uh, sun will scorch both planets soon, as it's been uh, a millennium since uh, that previous occurrence, so he's been studying that up. And by the way, this fish can talk, but it's like in an alien language. But thankfully, like the world of space, the alien kind of runs on like... uh, you know the whole Star Wars thing where, like, when a character who speaks English talks to an alien who speaks in, like, uh, an alien language, but they still understand each other? Mm-hmm. Like, every, like it's it's how all the Wookiee language works. Kind of like how the Minions language works, too. <laughs> like, it, it's, it's kind of that fun quirk right there. Mm-hmm. And also there's, like, a fun bit where, like, Dandy's talking, but, like, his head's still back on the Aloha Oi, so his body's kind of doing charades, and then, <laughs> be out and then they're trying to guess. <laughs> Simple but effective uh, physical humor. So then uh, Meow teleports himself to the planet by uh, flashing the light on a mirror so that it'll bounce off and hit his uh, mm-hmm. his own self. <laughs> Smart. Like, it would have been great if he did that and, like, we get a little sound effect as he disappears. <laughs> so, like, uh, then we see that they're all riding on some kind of uh, invisible halibut that flies all around the planet. But you get to some, like, really good, like, physical humor jokes where, like, Yuasa kind of plays with, like, the plane that's uh-huh. being used on top of this, like, giant halibut, halibut, and he really... Plays around with space for like good comedic, comedic and for good comedic effects. Like right. it's it's all very gorgeous looking. There's also like a bit with like there's uh, tons of holes all around the planet, and like we get a bit where like Dandy and uh, the fish fall into one of the planet holes and like have to climb their way back up. Yeah, that looks so cool. Uh, another great uh, animation bit in this episode. Doctor Gel, he looks super intimidating. I know, just the right? way he lords over B. Yeah, you like, also like really went all out, went like really tweak that character design very well. <laughs> like, first time I saw that, I was just all like, holy shit, Jell has never looked more menacing than he does now. <laughs> but, uh, Meow, so, uh, Meow, being a cat, even though he doesn't say he's a cat, he's a cat, he wants to eat, uh, Carpaccio, but, uh, and this is, like, after he said earlier in the episode he doesn't eat fish, because Dandy says, like, oh, we'll just get you some fish, and he's like, no, I don't want fish, idiot. So, uh, eventually, uh, Dandy is able to kind of get his, uh, translator working, and he's able to understand, translate, uh, Carpaccio's language, and I hear him, and I go, oh god, he's played by a creeper. Uh-oh. <laughs> it's Ooh. only for one episode. Yeah. Don't worry. <laughs> he dies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what creepers get. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, it is, uh, some uh, horrible man who admitted to some stuff. Yeah. Look it up. <laughs> There's some, man, there is some, like... Definitely, as you mentioned, some weird people in this show. <laughs> so, uh, Dandy and Meow help carry uh, Carpaccio's sailboat rocket to the surface of uh, Planet Pushy Boyfriend as they ride the waves, connecting that planet to Planet Girlfriend. And I'm just like, this is just so fucking gorgeous. <laughs> I know, right? I just, I was just like, this is so cool looking. Like, even the bit where Meow chases uh, Carpaccio and, like, they're climbing up the ropes between the between the planets, too. Yeah, just great, great, just, great cartoony physical humor. Oh yeah, like, just the best. Just so many frames of animation right here. It's just so smooth and fluid, and everyone's just kind of wiggling around and everything. Yep, very Yuasa in that kind of way. 
His animation style always denotes a great amount of freedom. Yeah. And there's like even a bit where Dandy like then flings himself and Meow towards the planet girl planet girlfriend and like it's also really good looking too. So then uh, Carpaccio comes back to his home planet. He reunites with his girlfriend Yoko, played here by J.P. Markey, and then she just breaks up with him as uh, she's uh, hooked up with another fish named Minato, played here by Andrew Chandler. And I, I do like the voices that these two give these fish, you know, kind of a valley girl and a surfer bra voices. Mm-hmm. I just got a kick out of that. It's like they just wanted to punctuate the superficiality of them. It's like, we have grandbabies, and our grandbabies have grandbabies. <laughs> So they tell Carpaccio to fuck off, and they don't uh, listen to him about the, the planets being destroyed. They're, always, they're just like, get out of here, idiot. We don't care. Yep, Krypton's gonna go boom boom. Yeah, that's what they all say. And, th- and like, Dandy, like, as the sun is slowly destroying this planet, he just kind of uh, lounges, but then he starts to freak out when it starts to burn his hair. So, like, that's the only point he realizes they're in danger right now. Yeah, the whole planet then descends into, like, a very hot-looking uh, Mass Effect level. Mm-hmm. And then Carpaccio chooses to commit suicide with the burning heat of the sun. Like, he doesn't have anything anymore, so he just jumps into the sun. <laughs> yeah. And then Danny manages to teleport Meow and himself back to the Aloha Oi, and uh, they actually have the fish all charred and cooked up for him. <laughs> I mean, hey, Meow, he, he doesn't eat fish, but he will eat other aliens. Yeah. Yeah, and they, they honor his memory by eating him. <laughs> Dandy's plan of buying that uh, flashlight worked out. They eventually got their food. Granted, they could have gotten more, but uh, hey, you know, slow and steady wins the race, baby. My words cannot do this episode justice. Oh yeah, yeah, I don't have much to say. You gotta it's see, just it's, you gotta see, you gotta see it to believe it. It's it's a spectacle. Like that's the best way I can describe it. Just absolute eye candy visual spectacle. One of the best spectacle episodes of the series. Oh god, yeah, absolutely. It's definitely in the top tier of this show and some anime out there today are not so lucky to have yuasa on for even so much as like an entire episode so dandy was very lucky to have him here yeah i mean you know shinichiro watanabe just probably like pulled some strings and was able to like get him on board because like why wouldn't you want to work with watanabe that said i am i am glad that yuasa's not working himself as hard these days yeah good lord that guy was going nuts back then i feel like he's a better fit for like films because then Mm -hmm. he's got like that entire project to himself you know and maybe like Directing single episodes, like what he did with like Azokin, you know. Yeah, or like he's, he's got enough of his influence times. spread across like uh, the, the the production company of Sign Saru. So yeah, I think things are going a lot better for him now than where he once was. I would agree. Uh, he also did the uh, film uh, Mind Game, right? Yes, he did. Yes. That movie kicks so much ass, My which God. Uh, did air on Tsunami during uh, an April Fool's night. So yeah, Tsunami, no strangers to Yasa, and hopefully, in some any way, shape, or form, we get more of him in the future. Oh yeah, yeah. We can only hopefully hope. so. But yeah, watching this episode again, I was just all as soon as I finished it, I'm just all like, "Isaki Yuasa, you done it again, you motherfucker." Well, he's, actually, no way. Now that I come to mind, didn't he actually come out with a new film recently? Uh, Inu O. Yes, you say it that's is? the one. Yes, he did come out with that recently. Yeah, Go I, watch that. I wanted to see that, but that was playing nowhere near me. I have heard it's well, quite it was good playing though. here, but I couldn't make it. I've heard it's fantastic. Yeah, Go I check it out. Oh, I gotta see that. So, following up on that episode, we get episode 17. The transfer student is Dandy Baby. Oh! Transfer student time! Let's go! Directed by Taka Akiwata and written by Hayashi Mori. Oh, what do we got here? Uh, Wada did episodes of... I was looking through their AMN page, and I saw one called Da Da Da. I don't know. I don't know what that is. It sounds really cool, though. 
done episodes of Encouragement of Climb, Gotcha Man Crowds, and episodes of Megalobox. Ooh. Uh, and then Maury hasn't done a ton of stuff, but they did write uh, Cells at Work, Code Black, Professor Layton's spinoff anime, and the Drifting Home, which is a movie from Studio Colorado that yeah, that's not came bad. out been... on Netflix like a few weeks ago. I've been hearing that's been gaining some traction, so not bad. Nice. That said, for this episode, okay, we just did a whole, we just talked about a whole episode about a talking fish yeah. that's trying to save, like, two planets. Yep. And, and yet now, somehow, yet somehow this, this episode is weirder to me. Yeah. It is musical time. Oh, yeah, like, this is one, this is actually one of my favorite episodes of the series, and one I didn't see coming, despite the fact that the next episode preview to this one kind of hinted at what was going to happen. I was, and then when it when we got the big reveal, I was all like, "Oh no way!" And then I was just like, "Let's go, get in!" Oh boy! So how does strap this one, in, baby? So how does this one unfold? So things start off with Dandy pulling a twenty-one Jump Street as he goes undercover in high school. <laughs> uh, oh God! As uh, the crew is looking for an alien known as a Cliponian, and all they know is that they go to high school in. Beverly Hills is a piece of crap. Crap. (laughs) Living in in my automobile. automobile. (laughs) By the way, that song is ruined for me now because of that. Automobile is a piece of crap. (laughs) Crappy girls never looked at me. I want to take a crap like that. I want to be a piece of crap. <laughs> so good. Oh my god. That Sorry, is... we had to do that. When you when you name your school Beverly Hills, you got to make that joke. Yeah, Beverly Hills is a piece of crap. Punch it in on YouTube. Like, it is such a elementary school Mad Libs kind of song right here. <laughs> it, it's... It's the best. Where I come from is a piece of crap. My automobile is a piece of crap. My fashion sense is a piece of crap. And my friends are just a piece of crap. I didn't crap in boarding schools. Crappy girls never looked at me. Why should they? I ain't nobody got nothing in my crap. Beverly Hills is a piece of crap. So uh, Dandy is so jazzed for high school as uh, QT reveals that uh, Dandy skipped high school, which I totally believe. He seems, oh, God, yes. He seems like the kind of guy who would probably, by like 10th grade, he's all like, you know what, I'm over this. Time to go out into the real world. I can sense the dropout coming off of him. So uh, here we are at uh, Beverly Hills 90210. And uh, to think, somewhere amongst these are, uh, 30-year-old high school students is uh, the father of Jungle Boy. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, old, old Luke Perry. Yeah. Luke Perry's in there. So things start off rough for Dandy as uh, none of of the girls want to go near him, and he even gets hassled by Sentinel from X-Men, who's like the hall monitor of the school. (laughs) (laughs) And then he meets a dorky girl in uh, swirly glasses named Freckles, played here by Ashley Birch. And then uh, Dandy, he tries to pull like uh, she's all that by taking off her glasses to see if she's secret hot, but then she's got like the little, uh, little like number three eyes. Her eyes are three. (laughs) (laughs) And like as soon as he does that, he goes... When you get home, you need to smack your parents. Oh. I'm just like, that's mean Dandy. She's cute. Aww. So, uh, Dandy, he has to do the class introduction, you know, because anytime you see a school in, like, in an anime, they always got to do, like, a big introduction when you're a transfer student. And uh, he kind of beefs it because uh, the class starts doing these uh, We Will Rock You stomps, but uh, Dandy doesn't really take the hint. So, 
it doesn't really work out there. Nope. No, he should have broken the song all like, who lives in a pineapple under the sea? <laughs> Space Dan. Exorbitant yellow and force is he. That would have made a good first impression. Yeah. <laughs> SpongeBob, SpongeBob, SquarePants. Nice. <laughs> Sorry, I had to do that one too. Oh, yeah. So, it turns out at Baberly High, musical ability is a must-have as your whole place in the pecking order is determined by your singing and dancing skills. <laughs> and Meow gives us the line, the glee he must be feeling right now. Oh, uh, Lord. Oh. <laughs> God damn it. So, real quick, Tony, can you look up, like, uh, when glee was going on? Because... Oh, Lord. The, the number one question show. I have for this episode is that, like, who asked for this? <laughs> glee is an American musical comedy drama series that aired on Fox Network in the United States from May 19, 2009 to March 20, 2015. So, 2000, so 2009 to 2015. So it was on the, the come down. I remember back when we were in high school, Ryan, that Glee was actually a big deal. Like, a lot of kids in our grade Good were really Lord, into it. Was kind of, yeah, it was kind of a big deal, from what I recall. Ugh. I mean, what a bad show. We heard Don't Stop Believing numerous times throughout our high school career because of fucking Glee. Ugh. I mean, I don't know if I would blame that entirely on Glee. That's Come also, on. That's also just a really proliferated song. Though. It is, but also... I don't think you can blame that entirely on Glee. I don't know. I, I feel Glee really helped popularize it. You know what's funny? I don't remember Glee, Glee being like too popular, like as far as like musical content goes, because like whenever I would go by, whenever I would interact with the uh, some of the uh, Glee Club kids, I think they always like talked more about uh, some works like uh, Femme and the Opera or Les Miserables, stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> they would absolute good musicals. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I heard that I heard those pop up a little more often, maybe like Chicago every now and then. But like I don't honestly recall Glee popping up too often. Even when they, when it comes to the show, I don't think I've ever watched a single episode. Oh of no! It. All mm-hmm. I know about that show is Jane Lynch, and that she's probably the only good thing about that show. Probably because it's Jane Lynch, and she's great. I, I've every every now and then when I hear it pop up on Twitter, I only it's only ever in the context of people going back and finding some questionable shit from. Oh it. yeah, <laughs> dude. Oh, speaking of questionable shit from Glee, I remember they had a cell phone game that totally ripped off a uh, Love Life School Idol Festival. It had the same UI and everything. Oh, nice. Ah, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> oh, those Glee ripoff artists. <laughs> I mean, they're known for doing covers and of their of songs. They probably do covers of video games too. <laughs> oh yeah, I don't get how a song full of covers just became that popular. Yeah, jukebox musicals are easy to write. Fair enough. Yep. So yeah, then it happens. Splicey. Rejection. But I'm dandy. Hey everybody, check out this piece of space trash that just wandered over. You wouldn't know a dotted sixteenth note if it bit you in the face. <laughs> I guess nobody told the new guy how it works at Baberly Hills High. Well then, how about we get him up to speed? Everything in life has rules. This kind of certainty. Do you not realize the caliber of school? That you're in Beverly Hills, the galaxy's best. And if you want to survive, you gotta follow the rules. Ready, rhythm. 
you see the thing that we really need around here? A pecking order, a pecking order. A law that's followed and remains absolute every way. It's a high school caste system. To sum up social orders big in our school, break it down with the caste pyramid. This is how Paperly Hills rolls with regulation. This is how Paperly Hills makes the school rule. The top within all the academy is me, the high school ruler, Queen B. Moving on to the ones right below me on the totem pole. We're cool guys, cause we're muscular jocks. You go just one step down, these are the girls that everybody knows. We're the queens, groupies, we're the sidekicks. And then you go much further down, that's where we And this is how the caste system of our high school goes. Favorly heals are there on social law. Yes, this is how the caste system of our high school goes. Favorly Hills has their own rules. So the cool types like us stay right here. And the uncool types like you stay right there. If you're wondering, the janitor is over here. As for you, you don't belong, so you go over there. This episode's a musical. Yeah. Yes, it is. <laughs> In fact, I actually, uh, well, like, I was already familiar with like the dub of this and like uh, all the writing they did with that, so I actually uh, decided instead to just watch the Japanese version of this, mm-hmm. just to like see how the music works a little bit more. It's a little more like the typical kind of poppy fare you would find from, from you would find out of Japan. I don't think too much has changed overall, like with the music or even compared to, like, the lyrics or something. I mean, obviously the dubber's jazzed up some, some lot, like, quite a lot of lines. Oh, yeah, episode. to, like, make it flow better and yeah. more, make it more understandable mm-hmm. in English. Drop a few, like, references that some English re- uh, audiences might recognize. You know, kind of uh, maybe a joke here or there. Maybe, like, a high school musical it up a bit. I would say the music works a little bit better in Japanese, in my personal opinion. I can respect that. I, but I, I love the songs in English. I think this is a... Fun-ass episode. I mean, there is a fun aspect to it. Like, even when I go back and think, like, was this the weakest episode of Dandy? I was actually reminded of, like, how good some of the, uh, how decent some of the animation is in this episode, and how, eh, overall, they did try to put some effort into this. Even though it's, like, it's like a Japanese production team trying to make, still at the end of the day, trying to make a very Americanized musical episode. And I still ask the question, like, where did this idea come from? Because we brought up Glee, but, like, is that really the only uh, thing they could have been inspired by at no, this time? No, High School Musical. 
Like, oh yeah, but were too. either of these that popular? Was at the were time. either of these popular in Japan at the time, though? I'm sure it was. Like, uh, it could be because of worldwide phenomena. Like, I'm just, I'm just very confused by why they felt that like Dan- Space Dandy had to have a musical episode. <laughs> I mean, they didn't have to, but at the same time, why not? Like, the series does everything else. Like, why not do an episode where everyone's all singing and dancing? Yeah, but that's, those aren't fucking rhetorical questions. I need answers to those. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Maybe the, maybe somebody on the writing staff watched High School Musical and thought, that's an episode. Like, ah, oh, man, this, this episode just confuses me. <laughs> it also takes a lot of inspiration from, like, other, like, almost like John Hughes uh, high school teen drama movies, mm-hmm. too. I mean, maybe... I guess maybe one inspiration I could maybe see is... Like, you know, Dandy has a bit of, like, Elvis to him as well, so maybe they thought, like, okay, like, we've got this inspiration here, Elvis did music, I think he did, I think he did some musicals here. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, he he did some acting, even though he, like, sang all his lines. Yeah, basically, Uh (laughs) uh-huh. So they were like, eh, like, there's there's enough of a connection here to where we can actually, like, justify this. So yeah, we get this big first opening musical number where uh, we're kind of told we're told the uh, the rules of the school by yep, and kind of the structure where of course as they say at the very bottom of the anime freaks yes, <laughs> and uh, this is all told by the school's queen bee Sophia played here by Jesse Hall, and this is Jesse Hall's one and only anime role like she doesn't even have an A N N page. Uh-huh. As, uh huh. Wow. As she was just a, a local musical theater actor to like the Dallas area, and uh, I think uh, Brina Palencia knew her, so like that's how uh, they were able to get her. Because uh, Brina Palencia, she helped with like the music for the dub here. That like, makes sense. Wrote and directed like a lot of the songs here, <laughs> so they just got some <laughs> local theater talent. That's actually not a bad idea. Yeah, it paid off. And for like your first and only anime role, she actually hold, does quite well. I mean, it really helped for an episode like this, like the Queen Bee and stuff. Like, mm-hmm. you, you, yeah, you would want someone that has a lot of experience in musical theater like that. Even if the, even if this, even if this is going to be their one and only role ever. Yeah. Like, why not? Why not? Why not take a gamble on that? When this first musical number hit, my jaw was on the floor when I first watched this. Oh yeah, mine was too. Because I was like, wait, are they really doing this? I was like, they're they're going, they're going for it. This is a musical episode, and then I was just. Dying of laughter. I thought this was amazing. <laughs> there, there is there is quite a bit of uh, humor to this, just by by the sheer audacity of it. Yeah, <laughs> like wow, they're really doing this. You're really gonna go that far. <laughs> and also, I love how uh, in this song, uh, Dandy is now lumped in with uh, the girl Freckles and two other dweebs as like oh, yeah. the losers of the school. And so yeah, it turns out there's only one week left to school before graduation. So Dandy, he has to pass his final exams. Find the Clibonian and the Brahms tomorrow. Oh boy! I mean, as much as as much as we're popping off on this episode, like the the overall plot is very cliched. Oh but yeah, I think the point of it is to be like cliched, straightforward. Yeah, yeah, you this this is typical that you would see in like a high school drama. Then we do yeah. get some fun bits like Dandy cheating to pass his final final exams, and like uh, we also get like a bit where he's in class and his teacher is the Fly from the movie The Fly. Yeah, some nice quick gags. So, uh, Dandy sets his sights on prom as he wants to become prom king so that all of the girls will fall in love with him. And this will also reveal the Clipponian as it turns out they're a girl and they have a flower on their thing on their head that'll bloom when they fall in love. Mm-hmm. Uh, problem is, uh, Dandy can't get a date to the prom. Oh, no. 
Welcome to my world. <laughs> <laughs> Same, buddy. Yeah, I never went to my high school prom. Oh, don't worry. Woo, we're, we're three eggs you, in the basket. Yeah. <laughs> I, I went to mine one year. You didn't miss much. Just saying. <laughs> I mean, I did ask, ask a girl to prom during my senior year, but she turned me down because she was already going with someone else. Oh! Well, and you tried. I tried, and like I couldn't think of anyone else, so I decided, fuck it, I'm going to stay home and play Final Fantasy X. You made the right choice. I'm just saying. To be fair, didn't we, didn't we have each other during the, during that time? No, I was home alone that day. Which prom were we talking about? Senior prom. Wait, I thought we were together for that one. I don't remember that. Oh. Really? I thought we were. I thought like we both like didn't have didn't get like any dates to that. So like we just like decided to hang out during that time. Maybe we did. I think we did. Maybe not the exact date, but maybe like the day after. Are you confusing it with winter prom? Where you did that? <laughs> no, I, I I specifically remember. Being all like, I don't have a date to the prom, so I'm just going to play Final Fantasy all day. I could have sworn we spent the time together. Maybe maybe I'm conflating two things between that and, like, winter or whatever, whatever that school dance Then again, called. we were yeah. kind of popping off on, like, Final Fantasy X around then, so I wouldn't be surprised if we just got together and I just watched you play it. Yeah, yeah, it could have been that, too. Yeah, well... I'm pretty sure we had solidarity that night. Yeah. <laughs> you guys made the right choice, just saying. And also, in retrospect, I'm glad, kind of glad I didn't... Uh, Nothing went further with that girl I asked because uh, she's probably a Trump supporter now. Oh, nice. I do remember her being a big supporter of Tim Pawlenty and Rick Santorum at the time. Yeah. Ooh. Hello. <laughs> oh, no. So I'm just all like, whoa, that's hey. the bullet there. Yeah. <laughs> but at the very least, I didn't get slapped like Dandy. He was like, oh, he's like asking all of these girls and he just keeps getting smacked. You know, kind of going full Johnny Bravo here. Oh, I wonder why the, the 30 or 30 or something guy is getting slapped. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's what I like about high school girls, baby. I keep getting older. They stay the same age. It would not be out of place if he actually said that. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, he would. But uh, eventually, Dandy settles for Freckles, but says uh, she can't. But uh, she says she can't go because uh, she's too plain looking. And then Dandy says she isn't plain. She's homely. <laughs> and she's like, and this is why they smack you. Oh god. So uh, the nerds try to stop Dandy from trying to win prom king and queen. It as a that's a losing battle, especially against Sophia. But uh, Dandy, he's no quitter. Nobody puts Dandy in a corner. Nope. Just just had to drop that one in, didn't you? Script writers. Yeah. <laughs> and then we get like an 80s training montage with uh, Dandy and Freckles as they get ready for prom here. <laughs> yes. And so uh, the day of prom is upon us as it's gonna be the night to remember. <laughs> <laughs>
Well, this year's vote is in the bag. Then uh, Danny pops in with his uh, John Travolta look, you know, Saturday Night Fever here. <laughs> yup. Uh-huh. But then uh, Sophia and the jocks try to bully Freckles, but uh, Danny assures her that uh, she has one thing they don't have. It's her beautiful booty. <laughs> I mean, sing about, sing about what you know about. Yep. <laughs> and, like, the animators really lovingly animate her butt right Oh, here. yeah. They, they, they definitely do. I mean, they had fun, I mean, they had fun animating Dandy singing this whole song. <laughs> like, I was probably seeing that bit, too. I know we're kind of late, but this couple is worth the wait. What are you doing here? Winning prom king, you know. Don't tell me that sad little thing is your date. You're so sweet, letting her feel like she has a social life for a night. You win. I'm going home. Hold on. You've got something these other chicks will never have. It's your beautiful Believe in the backside. Show them what your mama gave you. All right, you ready for a sing-off? You've got a lot of nerve. All of me is all. Booty is all. All of me is all. Booty is all. So sweet, my favorite candy. Queen be smart. Booty so bulbous and so firm. Singing about the booty. Whatever, I messed up my lyrics, okay? But uh, Sophia, she's singing about herself, and then Dandy is just singing about booty. I do like the one move where, like, uh, he kind of he kind of makes like a butt motion with his hands, and it looks like he's kind of motorboating it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, that's great. And then Sophia messes up, and she starts singing about the booty too, and he's all like, "Whoa, someone's thinking about the booty." <laughs> But no, he's actually sort of winning this, uh, this, this like singing uh, rock star, like rock star video game fight here. And then the nerds show up, and then they start singing, and then QT and Meow join in, and as everyone's singing, you know what is all, everything is all. Dandy, you are right. Glad you made it. Get those dweebs out of here. They're making prom all lame. No, prom is for everyone. Sing it, Nathan. What? The web is all. If you can rule the net, then you got the power to rule the world. To study is all. I have my intellect to make me a winner in the real world. Toss them out on their nerdy asses. Right. Who are you guys? Electronics is all without good circuitry. The world would lose electricity. The salmon plate is all. I love the texture and taste. You've got the goods I always crave. Yeah. My wife is a all. Yeah. Mr. Harada is hey, all. Mr. Harada is Mr. Harada is 
cutesiest bit here. I think it's kind of adorable. You know, technology's all I got good so cute. The world would lose electricity. I mean, so, some of the some of the uh, line writing around here is actually quite nice. Also, uh, Joel McDonald singing as meow is hilarious. The, <laughs> the salmon flake is all I got the texture <laughs> and taste. You have the goods I always crave. <laughs> I also like the bit with the uh, the janitor like trying to sing his, you know, my wife is ah ah, and then his wife goes, Mister Harata is ah. Wait, 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 who's Mister Harata? <laughs> like his wife admits to cheating on him in song. <laughs> nice. And then Dandy, you know, he sets everything straight as he says, "The universe has a buttload of centers, and I think they all deserve to be voted queen because." All is all. Mm-hmm. And then Freckle shows us that she has a really beautiful singing voice, too. I don't understand. I am the center of the known universe. Someone slept through astronomy, huh? The universe has a buttload of centers, and I think all of them deserve to be voted queen. You see, in this world, all is all. get a big show-stopping number where everyone's all in this together and they're all singing everything is all yeah if anything this episode is making you front load this part of the podcast with a bunch of music yeah <laughs> <laughs> yep oh man and we even have sophia she pulls like a sharpay and face turns in the final number and like every and like the, the whole prom is a big success and everything we're all in this together, together. i don't know how that this song fucking goes <laughs> <laughs> oh so yeah 
everything's great. They all make it to graduation, and Dandy goes, these were the best years of my life. <laughs> Dude, it was like a week. <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> best days of my life. And Freckles gives Dandy a little smooch on the cheek, and after the crew leaves, a flower blooms on her head, as she was the Clip-Onian all along. Oh, that, was a cute, that was a cute little end to it. I love that. I love this so much. <laughs> this, this, the music, the animation, rules. everything. This was just a fun episode to watch. I don't think I love it or hate it. I think it's just weird. <laughs> I'm conflicted about it. I feel the weirdness really added to this because, you know, objectively speaking, this is kind of like an eh episode, but it's it's a it's a good junk food it's episode. It's a naughty thing. <laughs> it's just dandy musical. There we go. I guess what other anime at that time would have d- attempted something like this? And also, uh, credit to everyone on the dub team being able to, like, pump out uh, adaptations of, like, all of these songs in such a short amount of time. Music is not yeah, easy to dub. It's not. No, no. And they, I actually do think they, they actually all deserve a good songs, pat on the back yeah. for this one. Yeah, because, like, when it comes to modern-day sample dubs, if there's a song in an anime, they don't dub it. They wait until the Blu-ray release to dub it because it takes so long to get it right. Well, yeah. even then, I don't, like, chide any of them if they don't even do that for a Blu-ray release. Yeah, sometimes it's, they it's don't a, even do it. It's a lot of work, and... <laughs> It's, yeah, it it's doesn't. It so tends much. to go unappreciated. Yeah, like this had to have been one of the hardest episodes to adapt for the season. Yeah, and it's one of the earlier ones. But uh, I enjoy this. I always find myself kind of going back and just listening to the songs, like almost eight years later. Like, just one day, I'll just go like, I'm just gonna listen to this song again and just kind of have a good time. Mm-hmm. But uh, this won't be the last uh, episode to feature music this season. Oh no, <laughs> we got more. Like, this is one of those things that I never thought I would get with Space Dandy, but I'm kind of glad we did. Yeah, because my, my Elvis comparison is it's going to become relevant later. <laughs> so, uh, that brings us to episode 18, The Big Fish is Huge, Baby, written and directed by Kiyotaka Oshiyama. Uh, this guy's done a lot of key animation on various shows, but he did direct an episode of Dumb Man Cry Baby and is the director of the show Flip Flappers. He is done. He did everything on this episode, and then second key animation was done by five other people, and then the art department of Bone. So, it's like a very small team working on this one. Basically, just this one guy. Also, Oshiyama was a key animator for some Studio Ghibli films, uh, The Wind Rises and uh, Secret World of Arietti. Oh, yeah, and you see that influence in the characters. This has a definite Ghibli look to this episode. <laughs> And uh, also with this episode, we kind of get the return of uh, QT's love of fishing. Like, that comes back as the crew yes, it does. is uh, fishing to start the episode off. Nice to see that actually kind of came back around. So, uh, the crew gets a tip on a legendary rare alien fish called a Munagi. And the payout? 50 million big ones right here. Woo! That's a hefty fish. But it only appears once every three 600 years. And so, uh, Dandy and the crew head to Planet Caillou in search of the Munagi. And as Dandy lands on the planet, he comes across and befriends uh, this kiddo here named uh, Esme, played here by Maxie Whitehead. And uh, we also see, like, uh, her home, and, like, look and feel everything is not only Ghibli, but also kind of very Dr. Seuss in a way, as there's just no straight lines everywhere. I do sense a little bit of that. Yeah. And we also meet her uh, mentor, uh, Elderly, played here by uh, Sean Hennigan. He's a bit of a grumpy Gus, this guy. Yeah, it's just a big fishing episode, really. <laughs> yeah, it's like we just see uh, a mo- like different scenes of like Dandy and Esme going out to sea, like fishing for this Munagi. Out on this kind of tr- uh, out out on this sort of like muddy uh, tribal looking world, mm-hmm. and like lots of shots in this episode kind of look like watercolor paintings too. Yeah, this whole episode is just 
the definition of what you guys always say animation flexing this whole episode is yeah for sure and like it's got a good artistic artistic sensibility to it yeah and you can add this to another one of the uh, experimental episodes of space dandy where they kind of put more of a focus on the animation rather than the story yeah it is it, it yeah it feels in it some really ways quite is. similar to the uh, plant world episode in that regard and that they are going uh, very experimental with like a lot of the uh, actions and movements in the episode that's another thing I really like about Dandy, where, like, sometimes you can just do episodes where the story is very simple. You can just use that as a way for the animators to just kind of get some reps in to, like, do some really cool things with, like, the characters here. Oh, yeah, because the, the plot of this episode is really simple. Dandy goes to a planet, and he helps uh, a little girl and her grandfather uh, catch a giant space fish. Yeah, pretty easy. There, that's it. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> but it looks so damn good. Also, we get a lot of uh, dandy butt in this episode. Oh, yeah. As he, yeah. he wears a loincloth for most of it. Uh-huh. Uh, well, they're, like, aping off of, like, old aesthetics of, like, Japanese fishing for this episode. Yeah, oh, yeah. So yeah. it's that's, natural. That's true. That is natural, but I appreciate it. You know, spread the fan service around. Love them dandy butts. But, uh, you know, Mr. Grump here, uh, Edelie, he doesn't uh, he doesn't like dandy. You know, he's seen, he's seen pr- plenty of fishermen like him go after the Munagi. And uh, he's been searching for it for years and years, so uh, this is kind of, like, why he's a grouch, too. Like, he spent all this time looking for this fish, and this hotshot thinks he can do it in, like, one go. But how does one catch a Munagi? As legends say, they only appear on the night of a blue moon, and that's when it swims up to the surface. Uh, problem is, this planet doesn't have a moon, so how is that going to work here? <laughs> At night, QT meow spot the Rubini Comet, heading towards Planet Caillou, and that comet comes once every 3,600 years, so... This is where we get our blue moon. It's a comet that just happens to fly over. Dandy and Ersme head out to sea to catch to catch up to uh, Grandfather right here. And uh, as he went out to uh, catch the Munagi. And this is where we get some really good animation as, like, we're just, like, hunting for this fish, like, in a rainstorm. You got, like, waves fl- flying everywhere. Mm-hmm. Like, it looks so good. Well, yeah, episode looks like the... one big painting. It really does. And the Munagi rises from the sea, and it is a whopper of a fish. Gigantic. And also, like... Watching this whole thing, like watching them trying to catch this fish, it almost fe- it almost feels like I'm watching like a folktale happen on screen right now. Yeah, it does have it that. It kind of does have that. Yeah, you're, you're right there. Like you can like tell the story as like the legend of like a fish, and it can be used to like explain you know why things are the way they are in the world. I mean, fishing does pop up a lot in like folklore. So. Uh, yes, it does. And there's also a great bit where like Dandy's being pulled by the Minagi, and it's almost like he's water skiing. <laughs> <laughs> So then we get, like, everyone, like, not only uh, Dandy and the crew, but, like, all the citizens on this planet grabbing onto each other and trying to, like, reel in this giant fish. It's a great visual. Just everyone just going, heave-ho, heave-ho. Yeah, just gets across that, just how truly massive this damn thing is. But uh, the Munagi escapes as it swims up to the comet, returning back to its home. They didn't capture the fish, but uh, everything everything feels good at the end. You know, the old man starts to warm up to Dandy. He gained a lot of respect for him, seeing, like, how he never gave up trying to catch this fish, too, and, like, how he even helped him. But he also then just goes back to his grumpy ways because he's kind of sitting <laughs> like that. Yeah. At the end of the day, we had fun, and that's what matters. That, yep, that, that's the that's moral the of the episode. Yep. Yeah, like, visual spectacle of an episode right here. Just, you know, just take something simple as trying to capture a giant fish and then just turn it into, like, a fun episode right here. Yeah, another one where words do not uh, properly convey. And also another thing I noticed is that, you know, with uh, Airsme, you had a, a daily and a 033H in the first season, Danny is really good with kids. He is. You know, despite what he may say, he, he, can, he can, like, be chill around them. So following up from that, we have episode 19, The Galleon Space Gentleman Baby, directed by Hiroshi Shimizu, 
and written by uh, Keiko Nobumoto. Welcome back. Yeah, welcome back as usual, and welcome back to Shimizu, who did episode 8, Lonely Pooch Planet, baby. All right. And this is the same team who did that episode. Going into this episode for this rewatch, I was kind of dreading it, considering uh, who was in it. Oh, what? Like, when the when the next episode preview came, and I heard a certain someone, I was all like, oh, fuck, he's in this episode. I forgot. <laughs> oh, did you forget? Uh-oh. I did forget. I didn't. Ooh, hell. <laughs> like, you remember stuff like that. Yeah, I try not to dwell on it too much, but... But uh, instead, I'm going to dwell on Honey as uh, she we see her kick off this episode and we find out she's a wrestling fan. Hey! Oh yeah! Yeah! Like when I first saw yeah, this, this is a this is a this is a Honey episode. Yeah, like when I first saw this and I saw her at a wrestling show, I was all like, "Oh, you're Hello? already be- you're already best girl. Like, you're super hey. best girl to me. I love you." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and literally, they're at Corkin Hall. Yeah, the real life. Which is a, which I'm like, hey, hello. It's basically uh, Japan's version of uh, Madison Square Garden, so it hosts a lot of like New Japan Pro Wrestling, a lot of other combat sports in uh, Japan. And also another thing, after we see this, uh, Honey leaves the show on a motorcycle, so she rides a motorcycle too, making her even cooler. Ah, oh, she's awesome. <laughs> then suddenly, Doctor Jill and B kidnap Honey. As uh, they're being they're being very proactive in this episode, more so than they uh, usually are. Yeah, actually capturing someone who is close to Dandy so that they can get close to him. Yeah, they need her so they can uh, scan her brain to get any and all clues about Dandy's whereabouts. But then we find out something about her that uh, I think a lot of people may have guessed earlier on, but uh, here we get a confirmation that uh, she's like half alien. Or uh, half Cloudian is uh, the alien species, mm-hmm. which is a rare alien in, in this world. And I do remember at the time people were wondering, like, could Honey be kind of an alien? Like, anything can happen in this world. Like, th- I wouldn't be surprised if she was, and she kind of is. I mean, there have been, like, humanoid aliens before, so it wasn't far-fetched. And also, uh, speaking of this whole uh, Cloudian thing, uh, the Aloha Oi crew is searching for one. And they've been searching for six months now. <laughs> <laughs> and it's at that point I realized... Man, a lot of time does pass in this show. Because, like, remember the zombie episode where, like, months pass after the zombie attack and now six months have passed here? It's like, <laughs> literal years are passing by. I mean, time yeah. flies <laughs> in space. It does. But, like, it doesn't really matter. It's just a fun observation. And then again, the whole multiverse thing, like, this could just be this six months from, like, the start of the series or whatever. Yeah, who knows. So the crew finds a planet called Planet C'est La Vie, which is home to an all-you-can-eat buffet. And hopefully a man that uh, Scarlet wants to look for. Yeah, because she's she's trying to she's trying to land herself a man in this episode. Yeah, so uh, she and her coworker go to like a mixer on this planet too, while uh, Dandy and the crew are just stuffing their faces full of free food. Yeah. <laughs> Which, by the way, we meet Scarlet's coworker Pine Pine, played here by Monica Rial, and I'm just like, I wish we had more of her. She looked cool. She did look quite nice. Yeah, good character she should... on her. Yeah. Like, didn't even come up in another Scarlet episode later on. Yeah, so. kind of surprising. Yeah. So, Scarlet then leaves the, the mixer, and then bumps into a man named Gentle Nobra, played here by an 0-35 loser! Ooh. This This guy is why I was dreading this episode, because he plays a prominent character, which means I gotta hear his voice for 20 minutes. <laughs> yep. And that's all I'll say on that matter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, you all know. So, uh, Gentle here sweeps up Scarlet and takes her to his cloud mansion. And uh, his VA aside, this dude, total jackass. <laughs> like, even if he wasn't played by someone who's awful, like, this character is already kind of douche. <laughs> the Aloha Oi crew arrives on the Cloudian's cloud, so they can save Scarlet and take Gentle in. 
And the, the, we also get, like, another weird gimmick to this episode where we... This episode has a laugh track. Yeah. Yeah, that was so strange. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that joke didn't really land for me. Yeah, they explain it as, uh, these are all the servants of the mansion, but they're all invisible, so they... But they all act like a Married with Children studio audience right here with, like, laughs, <laughs> and cheers and stuff. Which it's is weird so, because... It's such a weird bit. Well, because... Well, it's weird because, like, the, the episode doesn't really ape off of, like, any tropes of, like, sitcoms or anything. Not really, no. No, it, it, so it doesn't really go for that kind of aesthetic or style or anything, so it's just a weird joke. Yeah, to I don't know if it ever landed with me, but I thought it was funny the whole time. <laughs> like, all, all we just needed is a bit where Dandy comes out of the bathroom, we hear a flush, and the crowd goes, Woo! <laughs> Yes. Or, like, he gets into a fight and everyone's going, Hoo, 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 hoo. Yeah, I, I, I don't know where they were going just, with that. Just, just go full Married with Children crowd and just everyone's rowdy. So, Honey sends uh, the crew a video message in need of rescue, but then she ends up saving herself right here, which is cool, where she comes up with a whole plan of pretending to lure Dandy to jail in exchange for him releasing her, and then she picks up this big gorilla man and pile-drives him. Yeah, Punches, punches him and then piles drive, pile-drives him. I was impressed. I was like, hell yeah, honey. I... Go, honey. <laughs> where was this honey for the rest of the series? Right? No idea. <laughs> she could kick some ass. Yeah. She should be with Dandy. She should, but then again, she's got to work at boobies. Yeah, that's true. Uh, soon, an attack by the Gogol Empire forces everyone to flee the mansion spaceship using its uh, escape pod to leave the cloud. And then we also get like a bit where like as uh, Dandy's leaving, he's, he's carrying like a drunk Scarlet and a drunk Meow. And uh, we get a bit where Scarlet kind of looks at Dandy and uh, maybe she's uh, getting the hots from a bit. And then it cuts to Meow too and the crowd goes, Woo! <laughs> So, uh, Gentle finally reunites with Honey, and it's revealed that uh, he's, she's uh, her sister. And she's uh, called uh, Lady Nobra, but then uh, she, he departs in shame because his cloud's destroyed, so they kind of, like, separate right here. Which is weird, like, he needs the cloud to be registered. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you already have him, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, just, I don't <laughs> know, maybe though. What is he now, just a normal human? I don't get to know what the fuck that means. He's a DN, I don't know. But yeah, and then the episode ends with, like, all the crew getting on uh, Honey's motorcycle and there's no room for Scarlet and she gets mad. <laughs> but yeah, this was a... Kind of a light comedy. Light comedy episode. I still think it worked light, overall. Light, worked nice overall. little breeze of an episode. Had some good interactions Very between Danny and the kind, episode. Yeah, episode. kind of middle of the road. But hey, it, you got Cork and Hall, which was... Flushes out Scarlet a little bit more, flushes out Honey. Yeah, definitely helps uh, build up to some stuff with Scarlet later on. Yeah, that's that's important stuff to have. And also, plenty of good Honey moments. Like, this was kind of like her episode right here. Yeah. So then, uh, that leads us in to episode 20, Rock and Roll Dandy Baby, directed... <laughs> By Sayo Yamamoto and written by Kimiko Ueno. Yeah. As it's uh, music time again. Yeah. It's music time, baby. And this we got, time we're rocking and rolling. Yeah, we got Sayo Yamamoto. Uh, oh, God, I didn't write down anything. But I know they. But I know she did Yuri on Ice. She did uh, A Woman Named Fujiko Mine. And there's, I think, a few other Michiko things. Michiko and Hachin. Michiko and Hachin, there you mm-hmm. go. Try it. Yeah. Those are, that's a good lineup there. And since Yamamoto's back, that means everyone in this episode is going to look super hot. <laughs> oh, hell yeah, Cause, baby. Because like I mentioned in the previous episode and in our Yuri Nice episode, she just has a knack for really accentuating the sexiness of each of the characters. Yeah, she does. And boy, do they have her in this one. <laughs> Ooh, hello. This is quite possibly the sexiest looking episode of Space Dandy ever. <laughs> and like the first musical episode... This is another one of my favorites. Yeah, I, I love this one. I think this the, the this humor is better this one than, landed more better for me. I agree with you. Mm. This is the better of the two musical duo episodes. 
And also I gotta mention the uh, the next episode preview for this episode. I like that it has uh, a character doing like a, a Casey Kasem impression. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I forgot about that bit. That's good. So we kick things off where we meet the commander of the Jaikro Empire. Remember those guys? As we're introduced to Johnny, played by Johnny Young Bosch. Hey, uh, that was, hello. That was a very obvious casting. Johnny is there. Johnny. They were like, hmm, who do we know named Johnny that we can cast as this character? <laughs> Welcome back, Ichigo. This is a Funimation, not Crunchyroll dub, but like uh, Johnny Young Bosch, he's like a California actor, and like they were able to kind of like have him be in this be in this episode here. Yeah, they were quite lucky in that regard. They were. And also, I love his design too. Like, he looks really cool. Yeah. Really hot. He's just kind of a pretty boy, and he's like the the emperor of this of the Jaikro Empire. But uh, he has other dreams besides defeating the Golden Empire and leading the Jaikro Empire, as he wants to be a rock star, rock star, party with those girls on the MTV. <laughs> and so he meets Dandy in a bathroom, and the two hit it off by beating the crap out of each other. Yep. <laughs> I mean, Johnny did interrupt Dandy while he was taking a piss. But uh, Johnny didn't flush after taking a dump, but then Dandy didn't wash his hands either, so they're kind of both at fault here. Throughout this episode, we get a lot of great, like, fight animation where these two just start doing moves on each other. But then they become... I honestly would have taken, like, a fight between the two about, like, which is objectively worse. Not washing your hands after a shit or not washing your hands after you piss. (laughs) Yeah. I could, just, I could just imagine one going like, ah, you misunderstand. My hands only ever touch the toilet paper. They never touch the toilet seat or anywhere near my buttocks. Oh, God. <laughs> but then Andy's all like, yeah, but uh, my hands never touched my dick. I only held the ends of my fly. Yeah. And I properly know. cover my hand in toilet paper before Yeah, I use my shirt wiping. to touch things. Also, when I'm done, I dap. Do you dap? <laughs> <laughs> Come on, has anyone ever done that before? That little argument? (laughs) (laughs) Just do a full Venture Brothers toilet (laughs) conversation. Toilet humor. Oh yeah, after this they become best buds as uh, Dandy's kind of found a soulmate here. As Johnny wants to start a band with Dandy because he heard him humming a song in the bathroom. And he sees that uh, he too has a gift of musical talent. I mean, Dandy did go to school for musicals, so you know. We we already have that. He has the experience. He did that. And Meow and QT are forced to join too with uh, QT on drums and Meow on bass. Mm-hmm. This is how like every starter band ever goes. You just go with anyone who even has like a tangential knowledge of the in- instrument they play. <laughs> and also Meow and QT are actually really good at playing their instruments. <laughs> yeah, shockingly. And uh, we also have uh, Johnny as uh, lead guitar and Danny is lead vocals too. But uh, this band here, every good band needs a name. And we get like a list of potential names here that are great. <laughs> uh, Dandy and Omega Drive. Johnny with Team D. Dandy Rave Factory. Johnny featuring you guys. Dandy and uh, those guys over there. <laughs> As we all know, the band name is the most important thing. No, we're the Space Dandy Experience featuring Meow. There you go. Do band, name, do band names even tend towards that anymore? Like, headlining one name anymore? Feels like a dime breed, those kinds of names. Kind of is. Crosby, Stills, and Nash, you don't really hear ones like those anymore. Nah. If anyone even attempted that nowadays, you'd just be like, who the fuck are they? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, this band here, they're planning to have their big debut at Space Budokan. <laughs> yeah, back to another back to another venue. And uh, I did bring up how this is probably the sexiest looking episode of the series. Uh, holy shit, Honey's look in this episode and the different poses they have. Fucking right. nuts, man. Oh my god. <laughs> it's crazy. Like, it feels like she's on a centerfold in, like, every scene. Yeah, Sayayam Momo must have been horny as fuck for her. <laughs> and I appreciate that. Oh, God, yeah. 
thousand percent not criticizing but also the the posing on dandy and johnny too as like they, they kind of almost strike jojo poses throughout this episode <laughs> they kind of do they really play they really play around with the posture in this episode and also uh coloring too kind of like jojo mm-hmm. we have like different shades of color like when everyone strikes a different pose yeah i love all those like poses that they do it's the whole just episode the, best. the whole episode those, looks like a darkly shaded uh almost like yeah like uh, the, music documentary yeah like the comic art style that they go into every so often yeah, it's really yeah. good so uh in all of this uh preparation you know putting this band together uh they spend most of their time arguing and fighting rather than uh making music yep that, that that's kind of how it goes you know they thought about t-shirts contracts and even drugs. <laughs> it's, how yeah. go, it's how it goes with bands. It's you, like a you real scream rock at your band. bandmates. They're they're, <laughs> they're literally fighting like they're in Oasis. Yeah, <laughs> I said slag off. <laughs> you just scream at your bandmates until a song appears somewhere. <laughs> yeah, that's how it works in bands. But this fighting actually does help them because uh, it leads to Honey coming up with, coming up with their name, as they'll be known throughout the universe as the Dropkicks because they keep drop kicking each other. There you go. It works. Which, by the way, the animation on those drop kicks are just very satisfying. Oh to look yeah, at. it's the best. Now, would the, would the drop kick Murphys still be around? Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> like they would maybe have a problem with that name. Maybe. There but are uh, any of them weeb enough? But they do spell drop kicks with an X. So yeah, so it's it's more extreme. They I pull, don't know. They pull like a, a localized uh, JoJo right here, where they make the name. Slightly different enough so you don't have to deal with copyright. Oh no, 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 no. we're not called we're not called Black Sabbath. We're called Max Sabbath. Yeah. We wear McDonald's outfits. <laughs> yeah, we have. Yeah, we're not White Snake. We're Pale Snake. There you go. <laughs> we're not Limp Biscuit. We're Limp Viscuit. <laughs> <laughs> See, legally distinct. You can't sue us. Just just riffing on Stone Ocean names there. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> At least it's not Flaccid Pancake or uh, Filthy Axe at a reasonable price. That's good. That's I mean, that still one. remains to be seen. Yeah. I still think they're just going to call it D4C in that series. Probably. Because that's legitimately its secondary name. Yeah. Just like how they call it FF instead of Foo Fighters. Right. They're yeah. going to do that. That name's sure already that. dead in the water. We're not going to get filthy acts at a reasonable price. Shame. I'm sorry to say. <laughs> <laughs> so the band here, they have most everything figured out except for a song. Yep, that's, of course. You got to make a song in <laughs> like, order. They go through all of this and they haven't started writing songs. <laughs> But then uh, Johnny comes up with, with a song, and it's just the song from Galaga. I laughed so <laughs> fucking hard at that. Oh my god. <laughs> Some kid is just playing the game nearby, and he just copies that. Like, plays it on, like, his guitar that's not plugged in, and Danny's like, oh, come on, you're ripping off Galaga. <laughs> <laughs> Another Galaga joke in this show. I love it. It's a, oh, man. But eventually they do come up with a song just in time for their first gig. And on the day of that big gig, they play in front of a scarce audience of only, like, five people. <laughs> yeah, this whole thing kind of reminds me of, uh, I don't know if you guys have ever seen the Tenacious D HBO show. Oh, I haven't seen that. That, the Inspirato episode. It's kind of the same bit, where they're just, like, trying to come up with the song. And then they come up with, like, this rocket, rocket, all of my rocket sauce, all of my fucking rocket sauce. And then Kyle's like, oh, wait, isn't that just the ice cream truck song? (laughs) (laughs) It it just gives me that kind of tenacious D vibes, and it rules. It's great. I mean, Davey and Johnny are kind of like Jack Black in Kyle Gass. Yeah, really. 
this whole gig actually kind of helps them because uh, their publicity skyrockets when a video of a riot during the gig goes viral. Yeah. Because they only know one song, and they play that one song on repeat for two hours. <laughs> and the club manager tells them to fuck off. He's all like, no, no, you're not playing that song again. Get the hell out of here. And then they dropkick him, and then start a fight. It's great. And the rock band is quickly signed by an agent, played here by the late great Ed Blaylock, doing the, uh, the Casey Kasem impression here. And uh, they're sent to Space Budokan for their big debut at a live concert. However, Johnny decides to duck out and lead a Gycro Empire assault on the Gogol Empire. Nice double booked. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Gonna do it. Will the show go on? We'll see. Yeah. And he tries to tell Dandy about this, but uh, Dandy thinks that he's just making, making excuses of running away because he's scared. And like even Johnny tells him that he is the leader of the Gycro Empire, and they're all like, Wait, what, are you like a leader of a tech company or whatever? <laughs> IT guy? That's what they just assume after he leaves. So the concert goes on anyway without Johnny, and Dandy tries to make up for his absence by doing, uh, like, air and mouth guitar. Just like, <laughs> and crowd just starts booing him. He's like, what is this? I don't know what you can actually do as a musician to, like, stall for time, really. Just like, hey, everybody, uh, who, who, who here's from uh, Planet uh, Pushy Boyfriend? Hey. Yeah, what, hey. yeah, Tony, what is, like, the most common, like, way to, like, stall for time? <laughs> Just talking to the audience, really. Like that. If you, if you know how to work a crowd, that could probably be useful. Yeah, or just doing nothing <laughs> i don't know <laughs> you look like you're busy up there yeah just look busy actually yeah you just you just you just fuck around with the roadies and you're like just look busy like look, busy, guys. look like we're like we need to put we in gotta adjust things look like we gotta adjust some wires around here <laughs> yeah <laughs> or just like do a king of the hill you know they do like a little bird magic trick and then and then dane's like hey thanks uh that's all i got <laughs> <laughs> but at the last moment johnny changes his mind and crashes through the roof Allowing for the live concert to continue on. That's Thankfully. pretty sick. What an entrance, by the way. Also, he pilots a Gao Gygar mech. It rules! <laughs> Which I we did like, see in season oh, one. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> and we get their song. And we gotta put this in. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Kanichi Guy, Lonely Night. Splicey. What's that thing? A shooting star? to make an entrance. Sorry I'm late, everybody. What a show off. <laughs> I'm not surprised, you know. Yeah, I know. You're the one who started all this. There wouldn't be a band without you. Actually, you started it. I'm in that song of yours. One, two, three, four.
So the Dropkick's first concert was also their last. And as they had said from the beginning, it was legendary. This song rules. Oh god. Yeah. I love this song. It's awesome. It is a pretty funny it is a pretty funny song for like what you would expect Danny to come up with. Right. It's kind of perfect for like this band they're doing. This kind of almost faux Beck band right here. <laughs> But I love the song, and uh, the animation, it just rocks, too. And also just lots of shots of Dandy and Johnny's abs and butts right here. It's funny seeing them both compete on stage to try and be, like, the lead guy. <laughs> I do like the one shot where, like, Johnny, he's, like, shredding on his guitar, and he kind of shows his ass to the crowd, and then D Dandy just steps on it and trying to, like, muscle in on him while he's singing, too. <sighs> yeah. Or, like, Dandy's just on the ground, and he's kind of humping the air with, like, his abs flying out of his shirt. For a new character like this, Johnny actually, like... He's really birds of a feather with Dandy. They he actually really work. Is. They they comedically work very well off of each other. Like I said, they're soulmates. Like these two are just like perfect for each other. The only man Dandy could possibly go gay for. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he does have that booty. He does. But uh, their fame as a rock and roll band is short lived as uh, the performance goes haywire when Dandy tries to fire his uh, blaster and he singes his hair, runs over at Johnny and knocks him over into like some technical equipment and just no. shit blows up. And then it starts to rain, too, just to add insult to injury. <laughs> but this this cult concert actually indirectly leads to a cessation of hostilities between the two empires. They actually saved the universe right here. They did Their it. song actually established some peace. The one-hit wonder that saved everyone from chaos. <laughs> and now uh, the band is broken up, and they're all stuck with the shirts. They made one good one-hit wonder, and then they broke up. They have up, millions of shirts to that are stuck in their ship. <laughs> Now we just need to have uh, Todd in the Shadows do a one-hit Wonderland on the dropkicks. There you go. <laughs> that would make for a good you episode. Know, what is the failed follow-up, and did they deserve better? Did they? I think they did. <laughs> this episode was a lot of fun. I loved that one. Quite a blast. Another good one. Also, just uh, hearing the song, like, once again, a dubbed song, and, like, I'm sure that must have been difficult, but unlike the musical episode, it was only just one song, so they didn't... Probably haven't, didn't have to go too hard on that one. Yep, just zero in, make it sound good, and also make it sound funny. Also, uh, if I remember correctly, an interview around the time of uh, Space Dating when it was coming out, Ian Sinclair talked about how uh, after that episode he went to like a friend's wedding and they actually played that song, uh, Lonely Nights, just for him like at, like, at like the reception. Oh my god. <laughs> nice. That's great. <laughs> like he heard it and he was all like, oh, ears pricked up. <laughs> We're at the halfway point of season two, well, so uh, we'll see you right back here for the for the back half of season two and the rest of Space Dandy. We'll be right back hey. with you, folks. Hey, lady, you don't have to have a lonely night. Space, lady, just come with me and I'm gonna treat you right. Oh, you're tricky, baby. I'm a 
Crappy old dreams in for a set of new ones. Point is, you gotta find your own purpose in life, baby. Aw, oh, come on! Are you even listening? I'm trying to drop some knowledge here, QT. Well, anyway, we gotta go. Amigos. So what do we do now? I don't know. The search for exotic aliens never ends. Now for more Space Dandy. Let's go back. One, two, three. Yeah. Wait a Sassy. Man, I'm pretty. <laughs> Do the monkey with me. Come on. Hey there, baby. Oh. Yeah, whatever. And we're back with the second half of season two of Space Sandy. And we get a real tone shift to kick off this half right here with episode 21, A World with No Sadness Baby, directed by Yasuhiro Nakura and written by Shinichiro Watanabe. Eh, Nakura never really directed anything, but did animation direction on a lot of things, uh, including the new, the new film from Yuasa Inuo, uh, Metropolis, two thousand one, Rintaro, Otomo film, and then of course Angel's Egg, which really trippy movie that one is. I gotta give credit to the guy though; he made probably the most aesthetically beautiful episode of Dandy. Yeah. And oh yeah. Also, this, this is the best. Also, one of the most somber episodes of the series, but. He said, beautiful, in like a haunting, weird way. So something happened to Dandy, 
and he ended up on a mysterious planet called Planet Limbo, and he's here alone without Meow and QT. This whole planet, just bizarre, haunting. It's almost like you're stuck in a dream right here. Like, nothing really seems to make sense. I mean, the art design has an almost dreamlike quality. Everything is just looks even more alien than usual from yeah. what we see of other planets. He's on the corner of everywhere and nowhere at the same time. And Dandy, he can't really remember how we got here. Like, we get some little flashbacks to something happening to the Loha Oi, but uh, nothing really concrete. Like, it adds in, like, an air of mystery to this whole episode. That's the right word, mystery. There's a big mystery to this episode. But help comes in the form of an alien named Ferdinand, played here by Kyle Bear. And uh, throughout this episode, as Dandy and Ferdinand travel, travel throughout this entire planet, Planet Limbo, like, we pretty much have, like, discussions all about life, happiness, and sadness, you know, how they connect, what do they mean, like, it just, it, get, it gets very philosophical that this entire episode, and we all have multiple weird-looking aliens all talking about this while Dandy observes and just tries to find food. Like, there are just, there's, like, certain conversations where you just kind of gotta watch and just kind of go... Huh. Yeah, this episode is yeah. hard to describe. Yeah. It really is. <laughs> yeah, like I say, dreamlike almost. Because so much of what Dandy comes across in this episode just doesn't make much sense. <laughs> Although it makes more sense from like an almost like mythological standpoint in that it's Dandy going through um, sort of like philosophical discussions between mm-hmm. other like characters and stuff. It's almost kind of challenging his Dandy nature in a way. Yeah, it really is. It's like something out of, like, old Italian poetry this episode. And all while this is happening, we get shots of this mysterious girl that just watches over Dandy. Doesn't really interact, but just is seen observing him. And then Dandy comes to realize the truth about what he's doing here. He's dead. Oh, shit. Like, he and the crew died when they had a run-in with a dark nebula. And death, like, usually in previous episodes, it's kind of a normal, usually funny thing about this show. But this is the first time they actually really address it as death is serious. Like, they actually take it seriously right here. Yeah. I mean, if, you, if you're only going to do it for one episode, like, this might is... As, <laughs> might as well do it for this one. Yeah, this is a good one to do it for. And it kind of makes sense, because I'm sure a lot of people out there were kind of wondering, like, what are the real consequences to, like, all those times Dandy and everyone died at the end of episodes? Like, we laugh, but then it's like, oh, wait, he's kind of gone, and, like... Where does he go in this world? This is the only episode that actually treats Dandy's death as, seriously. Yeah. <laughs> not as like... Very different in that way. Not as like a Daffy Duck Looney Tunes joke. Nah. They, they actually dropped the joke for one episode. Yeah. <laughs> and it makes for like kind of a brilliant episode. It really does, yes. And uh, as like he's going through like all of these different conversations, one of, them, one of the topics that comes up is sadness, you know, and denies that sadness is an absent concept in the strange world of the dead you know you can't have sadness without happiness they're like cousins or something as he says and then dandy then meets the mysterious girl her name is poe played here by elizabeth maxwell and she gives him like an insightful look on life or death and like her perspective of the planet like i'll probably see it in but like this is actually where like things get really thought-provoking and philosophical right here stop already i just want to go back to my old life killing time on a rock full of ghosts ain't the dandy way baby i 
gotta be me. You want to go back? Yeah. This is a place between worlds, a way station. This whole world is a place for the dead to find repose. Only one living being remains, longing for companionship. It's me. That's pretty deep. Are you a goddess or something? No goddess, I, but something simpler to comprehend. I am the planet Limbo. I am its curiosity personified. The night porters, on the other hand, are its logic. Years ago, in another time, this was a vibrant, living world. But then its inhabitants fell to fighting and used their wondrous creations to kill each other. Of course, the war had no victors. Ghosts are all that remain. The souls of our dead thrum with a certain magnetism. Wandering souls are drawn to this place, lured in by their essence. I was lonely for decades, for centuries, for eons. There was no one. But then you arrived. <gasps> Impossible. You're the one. It can't be. How could it? Huh? What's up? Look, I can't send you back to before you perished. But maybe I can send you to another dimension. Another dimension? Yes. Perhaps you can escape to one in which the Dark Nebula didn't signal your end. It's possible. I'm kind of out of my way. Yes, you will live anew, but it requires much energy. To put you back where you belong, I must lose all of Limbo. Wait, but that's... Fair enough. I mean, I do look pretty good for a dead guy. And you're the prettiest planet ever. I just realized something. Honestly, it kind of doesn't matter where I go. Whether I'm alive or dead, I'm still pretty dandy. episode is definitely a thinker it really is <laughs> and kind of one that really sits with you like i remember when i first watched this just kind of like usually i try to like live tweet tsunami but like when it came just to this like, episode i was just like, like okay i'm just like i put my phone down and i'm just all like i was just watching leaning forward leaning like, forward and just and then after it ended i was all like okay oh wow just really thinking about it it was more just kind of make me just trying to like decipher like the point of it all though in yeah. the end <laughs>
Well, because like even when they have like some discussions about death in this episode, it's very cryptic and almost alien the way they talk about it. <laughs> kind of a thing where like they leave it up to interpretation, you know? Like there's no real solid answer on like life, death, happiness, happiness, and sadness. Yeah, right, right. there really isn't. But it all comes to a overall very uh, good, good, good vibes kind of episode. It is a very vibe for the episode, right? <laughs> yeah, another one of those kind of like the fish one where it's like. Where it's more like just sit back and kind of let it all in, you know. But they're much more talkative for this episode. Yeah. This oh one, yeah. This, yeah. this is one way more like. This one just, isn't like kind of a animation spectacle, even though it does yeah. look very gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Like they don't really flex on the animation, but they kind of definitely flex on like atmosphere in the background, style, and, and that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like that's one way I can describe this episode: atmospheric. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. I love that art, the whole art style. Oh, really? It's really good. And also, unlike anything in the show. And I I don't know what it is, but I do like Dandy's look throughout this episode as he kind of has like this cloak and like his pompadour is just kind of faded and down. Yeah, it's it's a very, it's it's a very irregular look for Dandy. Yeah, like he kind of lost his dandiness and and he's kind of like, I don't know, trying to really regain it or just trying to like maybe find something else in this world. Yeah, it kind of goes with the whole uh, philosophical vibe almost. And also, we start to see like a bit of a connection between Dandy and this girl Poe. Like, it's almost as if she's seen him before. Like, she's very familiar with him, and like almost as if she's kind of attracted to him in a way. But uh, eventually, after their conversation, Poe sends Dandy to a different dimension, back on the Aloha Oi, where he and the crew never died and end up ended up on Limbo, which uh, could also explain like a lot of like why uh, everything resets after at the end of every death episode or whatever. Like, he gets sent back to a, to a different dimension, and maybe, like, he sees this girl every single time he dies. Like, that's another thing. There's, like, a lot of open interpretation. Yeah, there's this. some implications here with this episode. It, it, it's only for this for this one, but, like, it, it makes you think... <laughs> it makes you think stuff about, like, Dandy and his place throughout the series. And one, I'm really glad they did, you know? I'm, mm-hmm. I'm glad we had this episode. Just, just the kind yeah, this of... Was a, this was another experimental one, but I think it really paid off well. Yeah, just kind it of, did. like, maybe... I don't know, answer some questions while still leaving some open-ended here. Yeah, yeah, one of the better ones for that, for sure. And also adding to the whole possible relationship between Dandy and Poe, like, the episode ends with Dandy coming back to Limbo, reuniting with her as, as if he maybe died and came back to life again, or or maybe, like, this just keeps happening every single time. Mm-hmm. But I actually really dug that they... I dug that they just went into this different direction, you know? Like, not everything can be Captain Wacky episode. Like, sometimes you just need to really... Really, mm-hmm. truly slow down. Yeah, and that's kinda... one thing, of course, that we've mentioned that Dandy does so well. They just, like, not every episode has to be Wacky World. Yeah, you can just have something that's just hauntingly beautiful. And also, uh, starting with this episode, for, like, the back back half of the uh, of uh, Season 2, we start to get uh, new endings throughout uh, We do! Mm-hmm. Uh, this one is uh, White House by Ogre You Asshole. Yay! What a name! <laughs> They're, they rule! They're a great band, actually. Um, <laughs> I know I put them in my uh, bento panels. Yeah, the name actually comes from... <laughs> fun story about the name. Um, one of their biggest influences is Modest Mouse. And the drummer saw Modest Mouse back in 2001 on their Japanese tour. And then they ran into the band's bassist, who was drunk after the show. And then the, the guy, Nishi, asked Eric to name his name his band and he's like i can't then proceeded to write on his arm ogre you asshole (laughs) and then then he took this encounter back to the band and then they and then they named it ogre you asshole which is actually a quote from the movie revenge of the nerds 
and they didn't know that. And then, <laughs> and then the band was on tour in America, and then some other band was like, "Hey, you guys know your names after, named after Revenge of the Nerds?" And then they're like, "No." And then they all went and watched Revenge of the Nerds and named an album after it called Alpha Beta versus Lambda. <laughs> and then, and then, I like how that came back. Around. And then, full circle. Later in 2009, uh, Ogi You Asshole opened up for Modest Mouse in on their Japanese tour. And then the drummer Nishi went back to Eric Judy and told him the story. And he's like, "I don't remember that." <laughs> it's incre- it's it's such a good story. Fog Lamp, awesome album from them. I recommend that one. They've only ever had one other song in an anime. It's uh, Soten Koropin, which used their song Pinhole. Oh, another really good song. I love Pinhole. Ah, oh, nice to see. Well, it's good they got in on the dandy. And they got mm-hmm. in on one of like the more beautiful episodes of the series, surprisingly enough. Yeah, lucky. Moving on from that, we gotta go, we gotta go back into Wacky Town here as we have episode 22 World Fools, so let's dance, baby. Oh, one of yes. my favorite episodes of the let's series. Go. Directed by Masato Miyoshi and written by Kiku Nobumoto. Uh, Miyoshi has done episodes of Code Geass, uh, Konosuba, My Hero Academia, and Champloo. Oh, hell yeah. And uh, like you said, like one of your favorites, I do remember back in the day, uh, Jacob Chapman, when he used to make uh, videos under ASU Otaku, he actually listed this episode as his number one favorite episode of Dandy. Yeah. Might be. I mean, this one goes wild. It really does. It is probably... God, this could be like one of the most wild episodes, especially where it ends up at the very end. And it also gets very weird. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it it's does. Actually, it's a very dandy-defining episode, though, in my opinion. And very much a hard right turn after the very somber previous episode. It goes even for even more like weirder comedy than like even like any previous episode before. It's like hard right into the other territory. So, what's this one about? We gotta dance, 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 bro! Hey now, yeah, yeah, hey, hey, yeah! Hey now, yeah, yeah, shine up, right! Robot, robot, vampire! Ogre, ogre, robot! I like how this one starts off with a shot of a Space Dandy record playing, and then it leads right into the opening. I like that little detail. Very good. <laughs> So, yeah, you know this one's going to be pretty funky. So the crew is heading to Planet Greece, well, then, which is the home <laughs> to a legendary on. dance contest where the winner receives a whopping 100 million wulongs. Holy shit, that is a haul. That is a nice chunk of change. And if they can't win, they can capture a rare alien known as a Dancinian, which only appear at this big dance party. So it's a win-win. Let's go for it. Yeah. <laughs> they arrive on the planet and... It's a ghost town. Oh. The only place that it's open is a record store called Akashiku Records, which is a reference to the Akashic Records, which are uh, a compendium of all universal events, thoughts, words, emotions, and intent ever to have occurred in the past, present, or future in terms of all entities and life forms, not just human. They are believed by Theosophists to uh, be encoded in a non-physical plane of existence known as the mental plane. They are anecdotal accounts, but no scientific evidence for the existence of the Akashic Records exists. Jeez, you're gonna give me like a pamphlet to read all the Wow. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, that Impressive. And they named that for a record store. That's, that's a pretty good name, actually. That's a good bit. The chef, this this record store is like classic 
hole in the wall record shop right oh, here. Oh man, the the kind you hope for. The clerk there is such a stereotype. I love it. <laughs> like during our the the Oticon trip, we actually went out to a record store in DC, and I was all like, God, this looks exactly like this that is place. Handy, it's great. <laughs> Even the clerk was the same. I know. I yeah. I I hadn't watched this episode yet, but I'm like, in retrospect, yep. It's like many places I have been to in my life. <laughs> Mostly positive, I hope. Oh, yeah, sure. Unless you've had unless you've had a shitty experience with like record store clerks. Not really, no. <laughs> I mean, you don't really get customers like that if you're like telling them like why the newer LCD like sound system sucks. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> if that's what you're looking to buy. <laughs> like, oh, you you're buying that. Ugh. Fine, I guess. Whatever. <laughs> And here, Dandy buys a record called Superinflation, but uh, don't listen to it as it'll cost time to pass by in the blink of an eye until, poof, everything is gone. Like, the clerk even says, you know, uh, I usually give people crap for uh, buying records based on the album cover, but uh, that's the only reason you should buy this one. Don't listen to it. Just look yeah. at it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, also, I want to bring up how I really dig the uh, the harsh black outlines that the characters have in this episode. It's, it's great. I love that, too. Like, they really, they, they especially go all out on them with, like, close-up shots. Like, everything is just so intense. Oh, yeah. Like, that's that's what makes it one of my favorite episodes, is that, like, they just go completely wild with facial expressions and poses and stuff. Yeah, like, and, and, and the other thing that kind of caught me is how the aspect ratio switches to 4-3 when they're in the record store. Yeah, it does. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, what's going on with this dance festival? As, uh, according to the Planet Chief, the Dancinians haven't appeared in ages, so... The whole planet has pretty much died out as no one keeps, uh, no, since there's no Dancinians, there's no reason to come to these dance festivals. But then the chief gets an idea after he gets a good look at Dandy's sweet can. Hell yeah, yes he does. So, uh, he convinces Dandy and the crew to hold a new dance contest with Dandy pretending to be a Dancinian in order to bring a bunch of aliens onto the planet. And, uh, there's also gonna be a, re a reward for winning. A big 700 million Wulong reward. Wow. Actually, they don't have that kind of money, but it just looks good on a flyer. <laughs> and also, they plan on fixing the competition so that Dandy wins and they don't have to pay anyone. <laughs> but uh, Dandy does get bribed by a swimsuit magazine, so he's in. Uh, this is all such a massive farce right from the get-go. <laughs> and so, the contest is on, and only a few aliens show up. Like, they advertise throughout the entire galaxy, and we only get, like, what, ten aliens? <laughs> I love, the I love the designs of, like, this, like, small group of aliens they got. It's, like, just a hodgepodge of just, like, whatever the fuck they could throw together. Yeah. <laughs> One of which is King Ghidorah in a bikini. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Got, like, weird-looking, like, cartoony-looking, like, dancers and, like, some MC Hammer-looking guy. Yeah. And, like, even when, like, a, like, waltzing duo that look like Beatles or something. <laughs> I love this hodgepodge of... Just weird, fucked-up designs. Again, credit to these animators just coming up with these random gleep clops that'll only be seen for, like, one episode. I know, I love I love the yeah. character... I love the character... Kudos to the character designers for this episode. I love you guys. Like, you know how in shows, like, character... Like, all every character has, like, model sheets? Like, I love to see the stack of model sheets for, like, all of the characters that are ever in Space Dandy. <laughs> yeah, they like, have, like, an entire design team that just works on, uh, aliens. You, could, you probably could have... You probably could have filled filled a warehouse with how many character designs they did. Yeah, it's it's great. It, it's awesome because like none of them are ever reused too. No, you never see the same alien twice. Then we get a real happening cat showing up here. Oh yeah, boy, we, yes we do. We get the alien of the episode. Introducing and he's got a great name. 
Tron Dravolta. <laughs> Played here by an actor who also has an amazing name, Major Attaway. Yeah, and you want to know else something else amazing about this dude? Have You know, look at the afro. Yeah. Yeah, dude is, I don't know if you made this observation, but he is a purple off from being a bi flag. Ah, yeah. Uh. <laughs> and I love how he shows up, like the music starts, and he goes, I love to dance, you love to dance, everybody dance, spicy dance. It <laughs> makes like, a big S with his body. It's uh. so good. This guy's this guy the life of the party. Yeah, I'll splice you in his intro. I love to dance, you love to dance, everybody dance. Oh, spacey dance! Uh. Now move those feet, we're making love to the beat. Oh, spacey love! Everybody rock now, everybody roll, got a groove to your move, your soul. The stars are coming out tonight. Tonight we're gonna party right. Oh, Spacey Dance! So that's a dance singing? He's so sexy. He has a big ring just like the old man said he would. He's gotta be a genuine dancing Ian. So handsome. I don't swing that way, but I gotta agree. Like, we talked about the, the hair and everything. I love his design so much. It's so good. Yeah, it's just incredible. And he's just here to dance, you know, let's all dance until we're dizzy. And then the whole rest of this episode just devolves into one continuous dance party. And then Dandy even starts to get into a dance-off with uh, Travolta right here. But God, it all looks gorgeous. Holy fuck. Oh my God. Just the, the animators were having tons of fun with this one. Just all of the different moves that everyone's doing right here. Just like shaking their money makers and everything. <laughs> And Dandy, he's just feeling outmatched, so, like, he's trying to, like, get up into Travolta's face, and he's trying to, like, you know, he's trying to serve him right here. <laughs> and then Dandy then gets an idea. He plays the record that he bought earlier, and then this is where things start to get really wacky. Yeah, it's... Starts off nice with, like, a little classical piece right here. Yeah, yeah, and then they're using Meow as a record player. <laughs> I love the setup where they, they put the record on QT's wheel... And then they use uh, Meow's claw as, like, the needle. That's so weird. And that's how they play it. <laughs> how does that even work? I'll accept, I'll accept it, though. Like, where's the sound coming from? I mean, this is already a very cartoony episode. Who cares? So. Let's go with it. And then it gets really cartoony as we see the effects of this record that were mentioned earlier as everyone starts to age rapidly and then get younger by the second. And then it's just, so they just keep, strange. They just keep Benjamin buttoning all over the place right here. <laughs> Like, we see everyone as, like, super old geezers, but then the next minute they're all, like, little babies, and then they're teenagers. And then we also see that the uh, the Planet Chief's uh, mother is now young enough to, like, actually be out and about talking, so, like, we hear her talk about Dancinians and everything. And we close the episode on a wild and crazy dance party that results in a big bang that destroys the entire universe. <laughs> God. <laughs> it's the I remember animators. watching this, and I'm like... Okay, we're going here. We're it's going here. the animators here. just making the characters dance the universe away, literally. It's so... It's nuts. <laughs> and I love... I absolutely love the animation and the start to, like, uh, Travolta and Dandy's dance-off, where they're kind of slowing up. They're kind of doing, like, the uh, Saturday Night Fever pose, and they uh -huh. go, do, 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 spicy dance! <laughs> Dandy dance! <laughs> we're dancing, we're dancing, we're dancing. <laughs> 
and they're just like running all over the place like it just goes absolutely full ham with like the animation here it's the kind of wild that i would expect from to come from nowhere but space standing yeah just <laughs> this episode and they just keep on dancing until until the until the heat death of the universe and then when like we see them as like little molecules they still start dancing i still. know right <laughs> they're still going like yeah we got nothing else to do let's just keep on dancing <laughs> the new Densingian life forms yearning to be born reacted to the pionium energy within Dandy, causing the two to become fused together and generating a release of unimaginable power. Or something like that. Seems we're facing annihilation once again. Dust in the solar wind, sir. And so, as one heavenly body meets its demise, another of equal brilliance is born anew. Although it will take hundreds of millions of years, eventually this world will also come to be known as Planet Greece. However, the planet itself will never know that this is what it's called, and honestly, there's no reason it should. What just happened? No clue. What should we do now? What do you think? We get our groove on. Oh, you are one space is so dandy. Yeah, baby.
and like that's just uh, that's just how we end off the episode. Just keep on dancing. <laughs> Don't stop dancing, never-ending party. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. And it just makes for, like, one hell of a fun episode. <laughs> <laughs> Man. Oh, before we go on to the next one, though, you know who did the design for all the dancing aliens in this episode? What's that? Katsuhiro Otomo. <laughs> director of Akira. <laughs> hey. Had to save that one. Gotta bring that one in. <laughs> Power Watanabe to just bring in people like into this into working on this show. To just do dancing aliens. Dancing aliens. It's rules. It's hilarious. That is sweet, man. And we also get another ending for this episode. Uh, the song is Space Dandy by Zen La Rock featuring Yomeri Land. Oh yeah, Zen, Zen La Rock. They've done a lot of anime songs, as I recall. Yeah, a lot of da- yeah, they're I think they're part of the dandy like uh, people. Or the I think they're part of like the dandy uh uh, composer team. Mm. Okay. So I should say. Still a good way to end off the episode. Yeah, still a funky song as we just see these little molecules just dancing all around each other. Yeah, I'm sorry I did not write down that ending. <laughs> <laughs> but no, like that was just one. It's an episode that you can just kind of. It just doesn't stop going. Like it just keeps on going. No, it's a never ending train of It affects you with how like, wild and all over the place it is. You can't help but love it. Like even after I was done, I was still kind of grooving. Like I went all like, yeah, I want to keep going. <laughs> Keep the party going. Yeah. <laughs> never-ending party, never-ending party. <laughs> so then after that, that brings us to episode 23, Lovers Are Trendy, Baby, directed by Masahiro Mukai and written by Kimiko Ueno. And this is probably one of the more sweeter episodes of kind the series. Kind of is, it's yeah. Very, it's very lovely. As it starts off with Scarlet making a deal with Dandy, as she wants him to pretend to be her boyfriend so that her ex will stop stalking her. And she makes it worth his while as she's paying him 750 wulongs per hour, and this whole job will last a week. So wow. do the math. That's a huge, huge figure. You know, sweet deal, but I'm sure uh, a lot of people out there would love to pretend to be Scarlet's partner for free. I know I would. <laughs> <laughs> Although for Dandy, it's 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 a bit more work since, uh, you know, he only really knows her for busting his balls every week. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> and yeah. never accepting any of his aliens. Yeah. Yeah, so, so it's, he has it's, to really put for, the dandy charm it's on in order for, for it to work. Yeah, gotta gotta put on the dandy charm, and he just goes, eh, 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 and she's like, God, you're disgusting. <laughs> so Scarlet has Dandy take her to the trendiest planet in the galaxy, aptly named Planet Trendy. And I got this whole copy written right here, what the narrator says. Oh my god! god. <laughs> A pop and join where you'll find the hippest couples dropping it like it's hot. If you want to show your bae you the man, then you best turn up here. Her body and the place be swaggin'. Don't matter if the shorty like hanging outdoors or getting crunk in the club. If you got the Skrilla, then Planet Trendy got your back. <laughs> For shizzle, word to your mothers. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, I back that up so many times. I'm like, oh my word. They, I think they really took some liberties there with that. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my word. And I love how our Bruce Elliott just delivers it in, like, the driest the way serious possible. serious voice? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. The, yeah, that one his delivery well. makes that so funny. Just I died laughing at that. older white man trying to sound hip and cool with the kids. Oh, my God. Like, how do you do, fellow children? Yeah, it's the coolest place in the universe to take your home slice to. Yeah. <laughs> home slice. <laughs> Also, why does Scarlet choose Dandy, of all people, to do this job? Uh, she says it's because even if he were the last man in the universe, there was no way she would ever fall for him. <laughs> oh, oh, contraire, mon frere. Mm-hmm. 
So Danny and Scarlet spend a week on Planet Trendy doing all kinds of uh, dates and couple stuff, and uh, I'm kind of reminded of the... You remember that episode of Hey Arnold where Helga has Stinky pretend to be her boyfriend? Mm-hmm. Like, I imagine yeah. it kind of like that. You know, Scarlet tells Danny to say something like, Oh, bless you, darling, or, Oh, you look so cute when you're mad. <laughs> and, like, and of course in that episode, just everything just goes wrong with all kinds of shenanigans happening around them. And also, Dandy spends both of, most of the time looking for rare aliens and actually capturing them, too. <laughs> like, he's never this good, and he comes away with, like, a haul of aliens on this single That's planet. weird. He's lucky, he's lucky, and he's actually competent in catching them. Like, even Scarlet points it out. She's all like, before, you couldn't bring me a decent alien. Now you've got, like, tons in, like, a matter of two days. Like, they go skiing, and, like, they come across aliens. They go swimming, and they come across aliens. It's, it's impressive. We get, like, a beach date where Dandy makes an excellent point that Scarlet looks nice with her hair down. I agree. But then she chases after him after he buries her in the sand, and Mook goes on to, like, flirt, flirt with some ladies. And I do, I do love the joke where, like, some beachgoers are observing them, and they see, like, oh, they're running on the beach together in slow motion. But then it cuts to Scarlet just, like, running <laughs> angrily at him, trying to kill him. Yeah. And also there's, like, another fun little runner here where Danny keeps stealing stuff from kids. <laughs> <laughs> he would be the guy to do Like, that, he steals a sled he? at the, uh, the ski date. He steals some binoculars during the fireworks date. I mentioned before Danny's good with kids, but sometimes he isn't. <laughs> yeah, sometimes he can be a little punk. And while this is going on, we see Scarlet's ex spying on the two of them. Uh-oh. This is Dolph, played here by Brian Massey, and he's piloting this Gundam-looking mech right here. <laughs> And if you can guess by the name, he looks like Dolph Lundgren. Yeah. Naturally. Natural. Uh, there's also, like, a great bit I want to point out where, like, uh, Dandy takes Scarlet home, but then they come face-to-face with, like, a giant, freaky alien spider in the bathroom. <laughs> it's a great scene where, like, she gets scared, where, like, the, she, uh, Dandy's about to drop her off at, like, her um, her uh, condo as they go their separate ways. But then she's like, ah, there's a spider inside. And he's like, what? You're scared of a spider? And you go in, and the spider is this giant <laughs> alien-looking freak. Yeah. And you've got a quite well-animated scene where they're just, like, both, like, shoving themselves away from it across the, yeah. across the house. Yeah, there's, like, a bit where Scarlet runs on the table, and she slips and falls into Dandy, and they crash into, like, a dresser. Oh, it looks fantastic. And then Dandy starts firing his blaster wildly, missing completely, but then he hits, like, a generator at the back of the condo, which causes the whole place to blow up. <laughs> but the whole situation by the end proves to be so farcical that Scarlet can't help but laugh at it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and also, uh, amongst the rubble of the burned-down condo, Dandy finds a videotape of a movie starring this action star named Chuck. Probably Chuck Norris. <laughs> yeah, that really dated the episode for me. <laughs> yeah, remember Chuck Norris jokes? Yes, but I don't want to. <laughs> Neither does he. Bye. Uh, but uh, they actually start bonding over their love of action flicks. Like Danny says, like, "Oh, I got some more back in my plate, back in my ship. Do you want to see some?" And she's like, "Yeah." And this is where the episode gets actually kind of cute. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah, like everything goes really smoothly with the two. Like we get a little montage of them, like going on their dates, and they actually make a cute couple. Yeah, they hit, they really hit it off with each other. Shocking. But then Dandy gets the bright idea to take Scarlet to boobies. <laughs> like, uh, to, to all of you people out there who may go on dates, uh, never take your partner to boobies or, like, hooters or anything like that. Maybe not a great idea. Not a good idea. No. Unless you both really hate yourselves. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you're feeling really down, maybe. <laughs> yeah. And also, don't take your mothers. Yeah. <laughs> we know that. And, of course, Dandy's flirting with Honey, and Scarlet is starting to get a little, uh, little bit of jelly here. Oh. And then comes the final day of their dating plan, and that's when Dolph strikes. And 
we we get look at the cut of this guy. He's a real real creep. Yeah, really. He's acting all creepy towards her, and is all like, "I know why." You, and he's like, "I know why you was, were dating this guy. You just were trying to get back to me because you really want me." You know, he tries. He thinks he's like Marty McFly's dad in Back to the Future. You know, he tries to go do the get your damn hands off of her and punch Dandy. But then uh, Dandy realizes that the only way to get this guy to take the hint and leave Scarlet alone goes up to Scarlet. Give me some sugar, baby. <laughs> and he kisses her. <laughs> wow, yeah. Like, I remember kind of getting super hyped at this scene where I was all like, oh, no, he's not going to. And then he does. I'm all like, oh, And it's something that I never knew I wanted to see, but I'm glad I got to see yeah, it. Yeah, glad it happened. Yeah. Dandy actually gets a little love for once. Scarlet actually reciprocates, too. Aww. Like, at first we see her surprise at this, but then afterwards she's she's actually really into it. And then Dolph, he sees this and just goes nuts and starts blowing shit up around Planet Trendy. But uh, thanks to this, he's now arrested and sent to jail and then given a restraining order, so he'll never bother Scarlet again. Arrested by the Trendy police. Yeah. <laughs> and they're all just, like, sexy cops. Yeah. Yeah, the Fandango and Tyler Breeze right here. Hell yeah, dude. Let's go. Uh, but finally, that's out. finally he's out of the way. Yep, and uh, Scarlet and Dandy's week together comes to a close, and they part ways. And then comes one of the most heartbreaking moments in the entire show right here. As Dandy rushes to meet Scarlet at, at a bar, because that was going to be their very last date. But they just happen to miss each other. Like, Dandy oh, arrives late, man. right after she leaves. And, like, there's even a great bit where, like, she's in the bar, just feeling lonely. And she actually writes on the table in, like, the condensation of her drink, Dandy. Like, she's thinking about him. It's a, it's, so a very, sweet. it's a very sweet final scene for this episode. It really is. Or penultimate. <laughs> and the most heartbreaking part of it is, like, Dandy's looking for Scarlet. She's right behind him. He calls out her name, and right when she turns around, a train comes flying by, separating the two of them. First time I saw that, I was like, no! It's awesome. Come yeah. I was really I was really rooting for him there. I really was. And they just start walking their separate ways. Like, we get a great shot where it's just Dandy, hands in his pockets, head down, just, like, walking towards the audience while Scarlet's walking away over his shoulder. I'm just like, no. Sad. And then after that, they just kind of go back to normal, you know? Just, she works at the Alien Registration Center, Dandy brings her crappy aliens, and they just kind of keep their relationship like that. Aww. But though they do give a look at each other right before the end, thinking, like, maybe... Who knows? Usually with a little bit of hope. A little bit of hope. I, I never knew I wanted this episode, sweet, but I, I honestly love story. this so much. It really is. The best, most unexpected ship of 2014, Dandy and Scarlet. <laughs> yeah, it kind of was. Like It kind of was, The couple yeah. I never knew I wanted. <laughs> Following from this episode, we get episode 24, An Other Dimensional Tale, Baby, directed by Satoshi Saga and written by Toe Enjo. Our, our old sci-fi writer friend gets another episode. He does. And this time, Saga, uh, he did the Chameleonian one. That's right. And this is a bizarre this one. This is weird. <laughs> this is fucking strange. I don't know. This one still makes sense to me. Within but the, I like the concept. I do, like, I do like the concept, but it's weird. It's very much a high concept episode. Oh, yeah. Like one that only a sci-fi writer could ever write. I mean, it feels more like a joke that only a sci-fi writer could write. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, that's another thing about this episode. Like, everything that happens in, t- in this episode is played 100% straight, 
and not for laughs at all. No, yeah, that's one reason I really respect yeah, this is, it. Yeah, this is maybe like the straightest uh, Dandy plays plays himself character-wise in the series. And yet that's where the humor comes from, because how serious they're taking all of this, despite how ridiculous it gets. Mm-hmm. So this one's all about Dandy coming across an old flame. Catherine, played here by Morgan Loray, and she's a disembodied heart in a Tesseract four-dimensional universe. <laughs> yup. Hey, whatever floats your boat, man. Whatever, man, yeah. I wonder if she has a, a booty underneath that box or whatever her body is. <laughs> no, that is her body. That's what I think. <laughs> <laughs> Dandy's tastes are very eclectic. Also, at the start of the episode, we see, like, them after being in bed together. So it's like, how does that work? Use your imagination. Dandy did. <laughs> I thought she was very beautiful in this episode. <laughs> yeah. She's got a great heart. She's got very great uh, parallelograms. <laughs> God dang it. Maybe it's the voice. She has a nice voice. Great trapezoids. Though, uh, at least we can confirm that T- Dandy has had sex. So he, Good! He is, he is not a virgin. <laughs> Even I mean, though I think he would be. Oh, God, yes. He seems like a total virgin, dude. Oh, man. <laughs> he finds, like, another woman in his life that doesn't find him kind of repulsive. And it's weird. It's a relationship that actually meant something to him before. Yeah, like, he, he is actually... When thinking about Catherine, he's actually kind of broken up about it. Like, he's just like, I don't want to talk about her. Yeah, bitter memories there. As, uh, so, uh, Catherine wants Dandy to help her find a prince named Paul, who is from a 2D universe that has entered the 3D universe. Yes. And there's the big history between these three, as, uh, Catherine left Dandy for Paul, and then Dandy's just been heartbroken about it ever since. But then Catherine and Paul have since broken up. God, she dated the Prince of Flatland. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but there's like a straight up like phil- there's a straight up like satirical like philosophical text out there about like a place called Flatland where it's just full of shapes, <laughs> and the writer just wrote about like uh, a two dimensional figure that encounters a three D figure who dropped into their universe one day and left an imprint, and uh, it's just a whole story about how he tries to tell his universe about the three D world and none of them believe him and he. Ends up like a dejected, uh, imprisoned philosopher by the end of it. Yeah. In fact, that's our, that's in fact, it's actually that world that uh, I think Alex Hirsch alleged that uh, Bill Cipher was originally from in Gravity Falls. Oh, okay. Because he he has a bit like in like one of the final episodes where Bill Cipher is like talking about how we came from like a flat world with flat beans who all thought in flat ways, and <laughs> <laughs> so it's heavily implied that like they're of a they're all the similar of a similar universe. You think those chains are tight? Imagine living in the second dimension. Flat minds in a flat world with flat dreams. I liberated my dimension, Stanford, and I'm here to liberate yours. So there's a very good chance that Bill Cipher could have come from this flat world. I mean, this episode did come out during the height of Gravity Falls, so, you know. Oh, yeah, it did. Also, like, when I say 2D universe in a 3D universe, like, that is, take that literally, because we see this giant flat world just traveling through space. Yeah, it looks fucking great. I love the art style of the 2D universe. And, like, while this is all going on, we see that Dr. Jell and B have entered this 2D universe, and we actually get some fun bits of these two in this side-scrolling 2D style, and, like, their ships look like something out of Galaga. It's it's great, yeah. (laughs) And also uh, intrigued by the story of uh, Catherine, Paul, and Dandy, Honey actually gets to tag along on the adventure right here, which is very nice. She's more wrapped up into the uh, supposed drama and romance between them, though. Yeah. And also, she wants to marry uh, Paul because she thinks that a prince from another universe must be hot. <laughs> and, li- and like I said, I do get how, how they... I get a kick out of how serious they play the story. Though, uh, we do get some bits where, like, 
QT and Meow are just kind of snarkily commenting on everything, going all like, okay, so that one right there, she hooked up with Dandy? Are you seeing the same thing that I'm seeing? Like, he's a heart in a box? Yeah. <laughs> just them playing the weird, like, kind of commenters. Yeah, like, they're pretty much speaking for the audience here. Right, yeah, it's a yeah. weird situation, and they're there to speak for us. So then they all travel to this uh, 2D universe. The way they get within the universe to try to look for Paul is that they have giant scissors that pop out of the Aloha Oi, and they start cutting right through yeah, the dimension. so strange. Yeah, Danny's also kind of weirdly cool in this episode because he's actually being competent about it. Yeah, it's probably the most competent yeah, it's, Danny's That's what's so shocking there, is that Dandy being competent for once. <laughs> I guess being around your ex must do that to a person. Yeah, really. Really joggles his mind. Yeah. Makes him a straight thinker for once in his life. And then they find Paul, and they find that he's just a little blue rectangle with a crown on top of his head. <laughs> and Honey is disappointed that her uh, Prince Charming is just the square. And then uh, we see the conclusion to Dr. Jill and B's actions as uh, during this whole like space battle that they're having within this 2D world, the universe then starts to collapse on itself, and then they enter a one-dimensional yes! universe. <laughs> oh, I love that. That's a good joke. Which then turns into a zero-dimension universe. <laughs> you just hear them. Yeah. Yeah, they just turn into line art, and then they disappear, just and all you can hear there. is oh, the that's, characters that's talking. A that's a beautiful little joke. And then we close out on like a very weird conversation between Dandy and Catherine about warping and how to like travel between universes. Paul sealed a 1D universe in a box to harness its power. He then used that power to warp his 2D universe into your own. And are you the one who gave Paul that crazy idea? Wouldn't you like to know? So now that it's been 10 years, why don't you tell me? Have you figured out the secret of warping yet? Yeah. The secret is warping doesn't exist. That's right. We travel through the space between universes, and for some strange reason, we decided to call it warping. Suppose that there's a world in this universe, and then a similar world in another one, and both have the same stuffed animal lying around. Here's where it gets tricky. At some point, the stuffed animal here will sense, this is me. Do you get what I'm saying? And the next moment, the stuffed animal there will sense, this is me. That's all it is, baby. True, but you forgot to mention that you can't sense the switching between universes. Ain't that the truth? I guess it's different for you, huh? Yes, it is. From my perspective, Dandy before warping and Dandy after warping are two completely different people. Which means you're not the Dandy I fell in love with. Yeah, I know. Even though you're still the same Catherine that I fell in love with. You knew that and you helped me anyway. Thank you. So about Paul. There's no need to worry. He's alive still. That's not what I'm talking about, Catherine. Hmm. I see. You want to know why I chose Paul. You were able to figure out the secret of warping all by yourself, Dandy. On the other hand, I knew that Paul would be lost without me. Yeah, this was hard for me to even decipher. Yeah, because I, I didn't get that one really. I had to either. listen to this a few times to like actually 
put it in my notes here, and even then I couldn't really get anything. Mm-hmm. Well, I kept wondering, like, does this tie into the finale in any way? Yeah. Possible. Maybe. If you look at it a certain way. It was hard to decipher for me. It was just kind of odd. But hey, expect nothing less from a sci-fi author. Mm, true. Yeah. Coming up after this is our penultimate episode. Episode 25, Dandy's Day in Court, baby. Directed by Atsushi Takahashi and written by Dai Sato. Uh, we got here. Uh, he storyboarded 11 and 12 of Space Dandy and is the director of that Godzilla Netflix anime. Uh, he did the Blue Exorcist movie, Ride Back, and a Doraemon movie. But but he was also an assistant director on Spirited Away. Okay. Hmm. That's not bad. So a pretty decent lineup there. With that said, though, how do you even describe this episode? Well, one thing about it's this a, episode... It's a court episode. Courtroom yep. drama. Yep. And it's very notable for its animation, or lack thereof. Like, yeah, some parts. Like, in the lead-up to this episode, I remember people talking about how it is uh, notable for having the least amount of frames of animation out of every episode of Space Dandy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> probably. And upon hearing, I believe that. Upon hearing that, we everyone figured it out, like, okay, they're saving up for the finale right here, so they kind of got to go a little... They got to cheap out a little bit on this episode and so they can have a big grand finale. Well... <sighs> It goes even beyond that, even into, like, the plot, too, because the way I describe this whole episode is just one big shaggy dog story. Yeah. <laughs> In fact, it's actually kind of pointless for us to explain the, the court case of this, because it's a story that literally does not matter at the end of the day. Not really, Not no. really, no. Danies, I can explain it right now for you. I can do I can do your job for you right now if you want. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> if you feel free. Dandy finds him in so, finds himself in court and where uh, he's being accused of murdering a man that was like a rare alien or something. And so um, the prosecutor and his uh, uh, defender and his public defender uh, both trade blows throughout this whole episode. Uh, in fact, like I think the I think the only real like design work went into designing these two lawyers because they're the most unique looking things in this episode. I will bring up the fact that uh, voice actors, uh, the prosecutor is played by Talison Jaffe, mm-hmm. who's kind of doing this bit. He's, his performance is like, uh, "Nah, I'm no big city lawyer." <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's doing like the the, the southern lawyer, lawyer shit. Yeah, that's good. And Dandy's lawyer is played by uh, Michael Center Nicholas, Go Team Venture. So yeah, the, uh-huh. these two guys are like carrying the entire episode. These two characters and these two actors. And they're just kind of going back and forth on pointless information about, like, connecting information in the case. Like, it actually plays it all very straightforward and dry. Like, it's dry. This whole episode is kind of dry, like an actual court case. Yeah, it kind of is. Except, like, except, like, when they get to the whole, like, baseball stuff. That's when it then becomes relevant to, like, the actual finale of the series. Right. Because throughout the episode, you're getting together all the characters that Danny has interacted with. They bring in uh, QT and Meow. They bring in Honey and Scarlet to all testify in defense of Dandy or even to his detriment. Dandy throughout this whole episode is not saying a word. He's uh, yeah, hunched he's over just... in his chair in handcuffs, just being silent. Yeah. Meanwhile, the, the lawyers are trading back and forth like, well, uh, we, we put the blame on the uh, the, the wife of the, uh, the the man who was killed. Yeah. Because she was trying to collect the, insurance, the, the life insurance money on him. And they have receipts of like bunch of different weapons that she's bought in recently but then they find out that like uh two kids across the universe like or like the uh, apparently through a baseball yeah that, uh, <laughs> travel through like space and time thanks to the magical element of pionium yeah which is apparently <laughs> which we now which we're now understanding this episode has a weird tie to dandy it does yeah <laughs> but apparently the the pionium a trace amount of pionium 
was found in the baseball that killed the uh, the alien man. Right. And uh, it was apparently came from this uh, baseball that was thrown by these two kids because the baseball was thrown by a kid who hated his friend and was trying to kill him with malicious intent. And they had to bring in a scientist mm-hmm. to explain this to everybody about how the Pionium could make the baseball transport across space. And the kid wanted to kill his <laughs> friend because his friend blocked him on Twitter. Yeah. yeah, and then Meow was just stalking the guy on Twitter because that is something that Meow would totally do. But then they find out in the end that the baseball didn't even kill the guy, and he nope. was just sleeping things <laughs> off. He was just unconscious. Because the guy is a former professional wrestler, so like he's taking his fair share of bumps, so like a baseball's not going to yeah, kill him. Yeah, Rose, right? Yep. He's the, yeah, and Rose definitely not wanting to break kayfabe either. Which... Yep, his wife didn't want to reveal that he was a wrestler. And Real like, student of the business, I gotta say. Oh yeah, can't kill the business. No. And the fact that the reason why she bought all of those weapons is because... Her husband was going to come back, make a big comeback as a heel. So, like, he needed all of these weapons and implements to, like, cheat and everything. Right. EC Dub. EC Dub. EC Dub. All right. GC Dub. GC Dub. Get some shitty doors and light tubes. Get some doors, light tubes, and maybe light a leg on fire. Yeah, he lights his own leg on fire, and they try to put it out with a water bottle. Oh, Lord. But then the whole farce of this episode comes back full circle once we realize that, like, no murder has been committed, and that after all this time... Dandy has been sleeping through court and did not hear any of this or care about any of this. And the only relevant information we got out of this episode is, like, what Pionium actually is. Yeah. It sounds like you guys aren't too hot on this one. No, it feels more like just a means to, like, set up the final yeah, episode it kind just of to is. get everyone together. But, but here's what I don't understand. Yeah, yeah, Why yeah. didn't they write an episode that, like, tied in more with the final episode? It sort of leads there. It's more like, oh, we're getting things kind of... Yes, but why wouldn't you have, like, a more places. proactive plot that sort of, like, ties in better with, like, the action of the final episode? I don't episode. This could have been uh, a way to address the fact that this episode was probably going to be on the cheaper end of things in terms of, like, animation budget, so... Like, uh, uh, allocating things. With yes. the exception of the baseball throwing thing, yeah, which really is extreme animation flex town, as you So why would you budget for the, your penultimate episode, though? Why would you budget it to be, like, cheaper like that? So you can have more money for your final episode. But why don't you... No, but why don't you move the money... Why don't you, like, move around the money towards, like, another episode or something? I don't know. I, I mean, take money from a, a previous episode... And put it towards your penultimate episode. I feel like looking at the previous episodes, there wasn't really anything you could, they could cheap out on, really. Yes, you could have. You could have cheaped out on the musical episode. No, 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 no. No, but I feel like this one would have been well. The Scarlet episode. I feel no. like it. I feel like it works. I feel like it works to cheap out. I'm saying on this all the fact that thing. like you could have written like a better plot than this one. Well, also I don't disagree. That, well, also I don't the fact disagree. that like second to last episode, like at that point, people are just focused on the finale, so you just need to like. Fill time, get to the finale. Why would you want to though? Why wouldn't you want to like? Fill, why, why wouldn't you want to like set up like a better, like a more, like a different plot? Because they already used their budget on previous episodes. Who knows? I don't know. What you don't want to like write up some like preliminary preliminary action between like I don't know like da- or like set up better like Dandy getting kidnapped in like this penultimate episode and then getting the game together and then like you can have some sort of like other like yeah by magic action in the final. Yeah, episode. you could have yeah. like you well, could have like, shortened the courtroom. Like why would like no. why would you waste all this on like a shaggy dog story? Well, I think because like the fact that they can have a courtroom episode and like with an episode like this, you don't have to do a lot of animation because a lot of the animation is just people talking and off screen. So like you don't have to like really stress out your animators right here because uh-huh. like you can see fair enough. You can see a lot of the cheats and shortcuts. You know, like characters speaking off screen or camera moving around certain frames to like imply action or only having mouths moves when people mm-hmm. are on screen so like if you're gonna cheap out on an episode like do one where, where you have an excuse 
not to have people do actions right. or anything like that. And I'm not saying you're wrong about like maybe potentially doing some other type of plot thing. But this is what I'm they talking have. about. I'm talking about turning this into a two into a proper two parter. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I don't. We had the same director for. Both I don't the, disagree. The second, the last disagree. one, and the last episode. But I guess probably because at that point, the only really they really wanted to go all out with the finale, and they can't really space it out across two episodes. Yeah, Maybe. I just don't think it was the right move to cheap out in your penultimate episode. Uh, yeah. Especially I'm... to waste it away on like a joke that goes for as long as this. Fair. Because yeah. as as it stands, I would consider this episode to be the weakest one of Dandy. It is the weakest, but I feel like they I went would in, agree. They went I would in agree. with bad intent. Like they knew this was going to be weak, so they decided just to do it. I'm maybe, just saying like, I don't think maybe it's like, I don't. I just have to, no, like you're not wrong, but it's like yeah, I don't agree. I don't disagree. I'm just saying like that's what they were thinking. Like that's how they they that was their thought process of right. like making this episode that way. Yeah, maybe they were like, oh, we 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 just just throw some sort of filler thing together because <laughs> now knows? the last episode has to like carry a lot of that weight. Yes, it does. And it shouldn't have been that way, I don't think. I feel like if you were going to cheap out on a different episode and maybe turn this into, like, a two-parter, like, maybe, like, uh, the episode with, like, the Claudian guy, like, cut that one. Yeah, why yeah, not? Like, is. that was already, that was that already had, like, a lot of, like, weak aspects to it. And, like, yeah. It's not like that one flexed too hard, either. So. No. Not a, not a whole lot of action between characters in that one. Yeah, but maybe someone thought that was a good idea. Yeah, I just think oh, it could have been... Hey. I, I just think that could have been handled a little bit better. Moving on. <laughs> But yeah, case dismissed, everything's all good. But then, as the crew leaves the courthouse, they are then surrounded by armed members of the Golgol Empire. Uh-oh. As we finally do get the setup to To be finale. continued. For real this time. Yeah. So now we are on the final episode of Space Dandy. Never-ending dandy, baby. Screenplay by Daisato, written by Watanabe, and directed by Shingo Natsume himself. So let's close things out with a bang. Let's go. After 25 episodes of buildup, Dr. Jill finally strikes and puts his gr- grand famous action. He did it! Honestly, I kind of wouldn't have it any other way. Like, if you were going to finally act on the whole Dr. Jill and Danny angle, like, save that for the very end. Like, you don't need to, like, build up to it. Just, like, save it for the finale. Mm-hmm. Agreed. And I do remember that from the end of the previous episode and the start of this one, like, the week-long wait was kind of agonizing, to say the least. Cause yeah! I knew we were going to be in for a big finale, but just, like, uh, I just, I it was it like, is it, Saturday? Like, is, it Saturday? Saturday? is it Saturday? And also, like, this is a journey. This whole series began at the start of the year, January 4th, 2014, and is finally coming to an end, like, in late September. Mm-hmm. Like, nine months nine of Nine months <laughs> of perfectly crafting this finale, and now it is time to give birth. To Never Ending Dandy. Savoring every, every episode like a caramel, and this last one is the juiciest one of all. And since they cheaped out on the animation in the previous episode, that means they can go crazy for this one. So <laughs> this fucking episode They're gonna use nuts. every single <laughs> scent for this one. Yeah. So, Dr. Jell has finally captured Dandy, and they and he has been taken to the Golgol Empire homeworld. It's now up to QT, Meow, Scarlet, and Honey to travel to the homeworld to get their Dandy back. And meanwhile, Dandy and Jill finally come face to face with uh, Jell giving us the explanation we've been looking for since the start of this you know what is the whole deal with his obsession with Dandy and Info why does he dump, want this... baby let's go yeah. why does he want this pionium so the plan is to uh, extract the pionium from Dandy because he is just lousy with all of this stuff and use it to complete a doomsday satellite that'll allow the Gogol Empire to gain access and conquer other dimensions 
as they'll be the masters of the universe. Well, because, well also, we didn't really explain the Pionium angle yet, which is that like yeah. it's it's the material. It is the it is the the energy within that Dandy has had within within him from from the beginning that has allowed him to create so many branching universes <laughs> and die in so many episodes. It still come back. Yes, it all comes back. To it that. is the key to traveling through time and space. Like you have the Pionium, you can pretty much control the universe. It is the big fat uh, MacGuffin of the series. <laughs> it just lets you pull off any kind of like temporal or spatial yeah. anomaly you want. All of the alternate dimension stuff has just been leading to this. Pull the trigger on everything. Also, the Pionium was also the the the, the reason uh, why they got stuck in the uh, the endless the endless di- never ending day. Yeah, that is. World. Yep. And it's also the energy that turned uh, QT massive yep. as well. Yeah. In his in his featured episode. It's all tied in, and and it's not just oh, it's not just like oh, wacky cartoon hijinks. It all has a purpose. And so the mission to rescue Dandy is on as the Jaikro Empire has uh, arrived on the scene, which means we get the return of Johnny leading Johnny. his empire against the, the Gogol Empire. It was nice to have him back. Yeah, yeah. That, was, that was good to see. Shame he and Dandy don't meet up once again. Yeah. And we just get an epic space battle between the two the empires. The best kind of stuff. Just going nuts. Just going full ham, just flexing with this animation as we see the Aloha Oi trying to maneuver through all the action as all of these spaceships and rockets are just trying to blow each other up. And then <laughs> we get a, a twist that I'm sure no one saw coming as B pulls a Hux from Rise of Skywalker and reveals that he's a double agent working for the Jaikro Empire <laughs> as he shoots Jell. But then B turns on the Jaikro Empire as he plans to use Dandy and all of his Pionium just for himself so that he'll be the king of all of the things. This is wrestling shit here. <laughs> this is wrestling shit. Like, I remember watching this and just going all like, what the fuck I, I remember, like, like where just did that come going, from? what? Whoa! No! It's, I, I think the joke, like, it's a good joke that lands, though. Yeah, it's fantastic. The last person you expected to be evil in the end. If I remember correctly, I remember his actor, uh, Micah Solisad, kind of hinting at this on Twitter, going all like, oh, you're not ready for what's going to happen next. Kind of giving a knowing smile. <laughs> and then we get another great animation bit as the crew is trying to get to Dandy as uh, they transform into the little Aloha mech and then it starts surfing on the Aloha Oi. Oh, I love this. Gorgeous. I love this. And uh, meanwhile, surprise, here's Johnny. Here he is. As Johnny confronts Admiral Perry, but then we see that Admiral Perry's form that we've seen throughout the series is actually a hologram as the real Admiral Perry is just a guy in a suit. <laughs> he pulls a, a Wizard of Oz on us, you know, don't look at the man behind the curtain. Yes. <laughs> meanwhile, meanwhile, the crew reaches Dandy just as Dr. Jill, you know, after he's been shot by B, he uses his last ounce of strength to grab B and then crush him in his hand. <laughs> Getting revenge on the uh, little eggplant man here. And then Jill, with his, like, his last breath, he tells Dandy that it's now up to him because the, the satellite's been started up like uh, the the only way that can stop it is for him to like go up there and destroy it and then he tells dandy to pilot his ship so that so me, we, that means dandy pilots the statue of liberty ball gag bondage bdsm ship man <laughs> to like fly up to the satellite and destroy it 
I do like the reveal that it actually has like a full body. Though. Yeah, it has. Like, <laughs> yes, I know. I was like, yay! And then it has like all of this like bondage gear on it, but then it breaks out. Oh, it's like a fighting robot. Yeah. Like, I love how that actually had a payoff. Oh. And like you know, the gown on the Statue of Liberty turns into like a like a superhero cape too. <laughs> just I remember watching that and just screaming like. Thomas, that was great. They went, <laughs> they went fucking ballistic here. And, like, right before this, we actually do get a nice moment between Dandy and his friends, you know. Like, he kind of knows that this could be it, so he kind of says goodbye to them, saying, like, nope, I'll do this on my own. You guys get, get safety. Oh, sweet. And Dandy, you know, like, he's trying to fight off the satellite. Like, things could be lost, and he's like, there's a great shot where, like, he looks at a monitor, and he sees all of his friends looking at him, and he kind of reaches out to them. Like, it's very sweet. And then it gets silly when, like, Honey turns around and he sees her pink thong poking out of her booty shorts. <laughs> and that gives him the motivation to God fight damn to the it. edge. Oh, God. I, I love the shot where, like, sees the, the thong, zoom is in, cuts to Danny's eyes, gets a sparkle in his eyes, and then he just kind of powers up. Fuck. You know, flies through the ship. All of his clothes fly off too. He's like flying naked through the satellite. God damn. Freaking Kamina. It's because he sees some thongs. He's like Cisco going nuts over some thongs there. <laughs> and like, needless to say, all of this just looks amazing. Like, they are just going crazy. <laughs> yeah, this is a very pretty final episode. Dandy reaches the satellite and destroys it, but the shockwave from the explosion erases everyone and everything from existence. Fuck. Like, they, they pretty much, he pretty much, like, Thanos snapped everyone. Goodbye. And then, I'll splice you this bit in. My stars, Dandy, you are a constant source of I don't know what. Thanks. Wait, I feel like I've heard your voice before. That's because you have. I've been watching over you for a while now. Once as a chameleonian, but mostly as a narrator. I am one who is not subject to any physical restrictions. I am one who can traverse the entirety of time and space. Wouldn't that make you kind of like God, though? Of course. If that's what you want to call me, I won't object. Weird. You should have forgotten your memories from parallel universes. I doubt you remember the you who was a surfer, the you who was a space racer, or even the you who was a trucker. I don't remember anything. You are someone who can conceivably be one and the same while simultaneously existing in all other universes. In other words, you are the one and only being who can freely pass between the different dimensions. Okay, so what do you want from me? This world, over which I have reigned for roughly 14.8 billion years, is now in a state of collapse. All universes, including the parallel ones, will be coming to an end as well. Whoa. This is more than a woe, Dandy. This is because of you. Whoa. Okay. After it disappears into a singularity, the world will be reborn, which means I need a successor. Dandy, you are the only one who is worthy to take on the role of God. Um, what's wrong? This being God thing, does that mean I won't have a body anymore? Of course. God is one who transcends all matter. Oh. Without a body, going to boobies won't be any fun. Pardon? This is the stupidest idea ever. I'm out. No God for me. 
<laughs> I don't understand. You're seriously turning down the opportunity to be God? Believe it. See a voice of God guy. No, wait. Stop for a minute and think, Danny. This decision means the world will have no God. Say Dandy, baby. Dandy meets the narrator, who is revealed to basically be God of the universe. <laughs> yeah, the narrator. Oh had a my point God! <laughs> the narrator had a point all this time. Yep, not a regular narrator. I no. was. I, I just threw my hands up at this, and so I'm like, God's fucking been, hell! So God's been narrating all this it's, time. It's so good. Even the narrator has a place in this. And Dandy was coming, was, was <sighs> gaining up to this point where they finally met. And the narrator wants to make Dandy the new god of the universe right here, because he has, like, all this immense power. Dandy denies this as, uh, if he becomes a god, he doesn't get a body. And if he doesn't have a body, he can't go to boobies. So he's all like, yeah, nah, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> That's not going to work for me, brother. And then the narrator's like, wait, what, 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 what are you doing? And then, like, the whole universe, like, collapses on itself. And then we get, like, a big bang to create a new universe. A universe with no god. Because Dandy didn't want to be one. <laughs> yep. And then we cut to pretty much the start of the series again. Yeah, basically. The conversation between Dandy and QT about how Dandy thinks people who only focus on boobs are uncultured swines. But there's, there's something different here, as instead of talking about booty, Dandy, he's a leg man. Well, it's, it's <laughs> someone implied that, like, he's aware of what just happened. Oh, so he has man. his previous experiences from the previous universe. Yeah, like, there's a moment where, like, right before he's about to talk, he goes like, Hey, QT, I'm still me, right? You're still you. Everything's normal, right? Kind of fobs it off and just continues on with his life. We get like a Futurama ending to this series where like yeah. everything resets at the beginning and it's we just kind of so replay cool. throughout the entire series once again. But unlike Futurama, this was actually the end. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, now that series is coming back. <laughs> again, <laughs> baby. I can't, wait, the charm. I, I can't wait to see the episode where Zap gets can Zap Brannigan gets canceled. Oh Lord! <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's on its way. It's on its way. It's happening. Oh my god. Honestly, I wouldn't have ended Dandy any other way. Nah, it's perfect. I was like, it's, this is a pro it's great. This is a nice and proper absurd ending for a series like Space Dandy. Yeah, and like after uh, Dandy, QT, and the Aloha Oi fly away, we just kind of get a little montage of all the locations we've seen throughout the series. Mm -hmm. Pretty much implying that everything's just going through we get through it again. Like we're just looping throughout the same story again. It'll just keep, it'll just keep going just over keep and over. Keep being Dandy for billions of years. The only consistent is that it's all Dandy. It is technically, by the end, a never-ending dandy, for you can go back and experience it all over again. Absolutely. And then we're hit with one thing that kind of makes me sad today. Title card that says, maybe continued? Aw, man. It's 2022. I was so hopeful. We haven't had any new dandy since then. Unless you count that one cameo in Carolyn Tuesday. Yeah, that's true. Mm, no, I don't think, I think that's about it. Yeah, but just... And that's how Dandy Curtains comes to a close. down, and that's Space Dandy. What an ending. <sighs> oh my god. What an ending for us. We're at the end. Yeah. Marathon. Two big episodes. Oh No, this boy. ending right here for us. What came, a journey. Came a long way. So, we all came a long way. Final, final thoughts on Space Dandy. Uh, this, even though I don't think about it as often like some other anime, I still consider it like one of the... Like, still one of the greats I've ever watched. Like, this is, like, a truly... Yes. This... I felt like this series actually did push, like, 
like art in anime in like a very positive direction that I feel like we've never had anything as I feel like we haven't had anything as like Ex- deeply ex- deeply yeah. absurdly experimental as this one. Yeah. Where they just threw a bunch of money at like an animation team and said, "Go hog wild. Do whatever the fuck you want." Yeah, I never really have anything where it's like uh, you don't know what you're going to get next week. Original anime like this just don't go as hard as Dandy anymore. No, like, we don't really get these kind of open sandbox animes anymore. I feel like the only anime that it got even close to, that even got something close to this was, like, Azuken, but even that's, like, an adaption of Yeah, that's an adaptation. Work. Yeah. It's still also... made with a lot of heart, which is not... I'm not trying to say that, like, works today don't have any heart sure. like Dandy. Yeah, I it's... would also say that another, another anime that's kind of close to the whole do-whatever-you-want kind of thing is, uh... Kind of on a lower level, uh, Pop Team Epic. Mm, yes, absolutely. But then again, that's also that an adaptation, too. so a lot of that stuff comes. Right, that's also an adaptation, and I don't know. I I personally argue that I like the I like the uh, the four com four, four, what's it called four, four coma. coma yeah I like the right. four I think the four coma con, uh, I think the four coma <laughs> concept format format works a lot better for Pop Team Epic and doesn't translate as well into animation, but um. No, I, I like that so much. So much money was put down to just go on a complete limb, like with Space Dandy, and Watanabe just made a completely ridiculous, absurd series about yeah, a dandy guy assemb- in space. Assembled an all-star team to do it, like a like a wet, like a just a whack job Flash Gordon series <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> that I've never really seen like anything like before. And he brought on all of these animators and writers from like all different walks of life and animation, in like even different media's. And they somehow brought him together to make this wonderful world of space dandy. But I think he did truly, I think he and his team did truly make something, like, truly artistic in the end. Yeah, like, truly like, something I for the I think needs to be appreciated by more people today. Like this, I do not want space dandy to be forgotten. Which, sadly, it looks like it is being forgotten by some people. Yeah, and, like, that's kind of the, yeah. the effects of, like, uh more people starting to follow anime season to season because, like, a lot of that stuff is kind of like, okay, we're done with this, on to the next season. Yeah, because it's like, yeah, like, how often are you going to go back and watch, like, a 20, I don't know, say 17 anime you may have missed if you're just following everything season to season and trying to shovel down, like, every single thing that you think may or may not, or may be good, you know? Well, There's so, so much to keep up with. Well, side effect of streaming, too, is that, like, rebroadcast is all, in your hand, is all put in your hands now. Yeah, yeah, it really is. No channel out there, or, like, cable channel, is ever going to, is going to, like, have that control ever again. No. Over that. It's going to be up in your hands to, it's all in your hands to find Space Dandy. It's in your hands to rewatch all those episodes. Yeah. To find the, to find the time for yourself. And it's also kind of up to people like us to help spread that word of this show. To, like, get more people to, like, remember Dandy or even watch Dandy for the very first time. Yeah. Sadly, the only power we have in our hands to do anything about that is to just tell other just people about, about how great it. Space Dandy is. <laughs> Though, honestly, that's, I would say that's probably more than enough because, like, it's better than nothing. It really is. It's I the mean, best you can do. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, God. I mean, it doesn't have, like, the same kind of cultural cachet. Let's say that, like, uh, Bebop obviously did. But I think that if you ask, like, a random person about Space Dandy who was kind of around at the time and watching stuff, they'll be like, oh, yeah, I remember that was cool. Yeah, people have nothing but fond memories when they people do People do really remember it, but yeah. they don't really, like, talk about they it They don't think lot. about it constantly, but when it comes up, like... It just gives I feel me... like the memories 
all start flooding in, and then yeah, they and then can start just going like, all like, oh, yeah, that was a fun time. Yeah, like, you just need one person to get the conversation going, and then, like, it'll just start spreading and spreading. Yeah, maybe it's because it wasn't as, like, weighty, or, like, have this kind of, like, legendary status, like, let's say, like a Bebop does. Mm-hmm. True, though I would also say that, uh, regardless of that, I would say Space Dandy is probably one of the best animes of the 2010s. Like, oh, thousand percent. Like, yeah, top, top like, 10 for sure. Yeah, like, top 10 for sure. Like, I already animated the year 2014. It's one of the best. It's, it's incredible. Seen. Fuck, man, I would say top five. It's easily. <laughs> of the easily. decade? Of the decade. Yeah, I'd go with that. Let's let's go with that. Let's 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 do that. Let's mm-hmm. do that. It's it's basically it's basically it's basically a work work of art here. Not everything lands perfectly, but you know what? That's okay because you know what? You need anime that doesn't try and make everything land. Like it just throws things out there and sees if people will like it or not. And you don't really see that kind of thing happen. And even if it doesn't land for you personally, it could land for something else. Like mm-hmm. Like, def- there's definitely something for everyone when it yeah, comes to like Yeah, some, like someone might think the court episode is incredible, where others would be like, eh, I don't know about that. And I love that we're all saying this about a series that, like, where, where it's about a guy who maxes on Hooters waitresses. Basically, yeah, that's and, the whole conceit here. And he's an alien hunter who barely captures any aliens. Like, it's, it all surprisingly still works in spite of that fact. Man. you think that would make for an unlikable character, but, like, it's more like a Johnny Bravo effect. He's such a bumbling idiot that you can't help but no reasonable person would ever find this man charming. Like in real life, Dandy would be repulsive, but in real, but in like enjoying him as a cartoon character, he is like super charming and lovable. I know he's a farcical man, just like wandering through space with like his vacuum cleaner robot in a cat who he absolutely hates. <laughs> I'm sad that they didn't do any more because I feel like with Dandy, there's just so much you can do with the series. Like there's even some episode concepts that I'm surprised they never did. Like. You know how anime always does, like, baseball episodes? Like, why isn't there a baseball episode of Dandy or anything like that? I mean, could have made the them. closest we get to a baseball episode is that baseball segment, really. Yeah, yeah. the penultimate episode, the court episode. Yeah. Yeah, or like, you know, I mentioned earlier, like, doing, like, a whole Lupin thing. Like, do a whole heist episode or whatever. I mean, <laughs> we even got a high school episode. We got a high school musical <laughs> episode. Like, who would have oh, guessed man. that? Fuck me. Or, like, some kind of rock and roll behind the music episode. <laughs> Like uh, the possibilities just, are actually endless with this space standing. And again, I really miss just watching this on Twitter every single week because, like, the entire discussion for the week would be shaped by Dandy. Like, oh man, what are they gonna do next? I remember people trying to like put together like timeline. Charts yeah, yeah to I remember to, that too. To people were like trying to like. It's always sunny, you know? Yeah, like do a Charlie Kelly. Charlie like, on the wall. like It was going, some beautiful engagement people were having. Yeah, you don't really see, like, a lot of that. The next best thing I would say was when JoJo was airing week to week. Yeah, it was. And then Netflix took that away from us. And now what do we have that's all weekly talkity talk? Maybe Chainsaw Man? We'll see how that goes. Yep, or uh, currently airing on Toonami, we, do, we have the new Housing Complex C. Which that we, is. It's only four episodes, but hey... New episode every week. Hey, a month of discussion, let's go. Yeah, we'll see where it goes. Mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah, like you said, it doesn't really make me miss kind of that whole event television, like, especially when it comes to anime. It really was. Because, like, I mentioned this in the last episode, like, when it comes to new stuff in anime, like, people tend to, like, watch on their own time. Like, no one's watching Mm -hmm. at the same time, at a specific time. 
talking about it at the same yeah, time. Yeah, I mean, it's really like, I mean, it was basically like our like live sports kind of of a show, you know? Like, you know, people live tweet a football game or live tweet a wrestling thing or and then talk about it afterwards. We don't really have like a lot of that in anime anymore, it seems Not like. Really. Because everyone's watching it at the same or at different times. And with something like this where it was premiering on Toonami at 11 or 10.30 or whatever. You had to just, be there on the just, ground for Yeah, it. it's just you either record it, catch it maybe on demand, or just, hell, carve out a little time Saturday night and get on Twitter, have a few, maybe have a brew or two, and just chat it up with the homies, you know? And then, like, afterwards, discuss it. Like, I remember this old Toonami podcast that we used to listen to, they would do, like, uh, dandy recaps the following day and kind of almost do, like, a bit of a talking dead, talking smack kind of thing. Absolutely, they discuss yeah. Discuss the episode and, you know, theorize what's going to happen next week. And, like, they even had engagement with people, like, you know, tweeting out hashtags to them. Like, it's... You kind of don't really get that anymore. Not really. Not really. For some things, you know, like wrestling and sports and all that. But just, yeah. I kind of do miss it. In the grand scheme of things, it wasn't that long. It wasn't that long ago. Eight years. But we, yeah, we, but it we talk it about it with great like reminiscence. A yeah. yeah. Oh man. Yeah, but uh, I guess that can uh, transition to like uh, the one of the biggest things that come out of Dandy is that uh, even though it ended, its effects on the anime industry are still felt to this very day. As season two ended along with the summer anime season at the end of September 2014, and starting with the fall season in October, the folks at Funimation, now Crunchyroll, got an idea. What if they were to do what they did with Dandy, but for some of their fall anime simulcasts? Hmm. Makes you think, huh? And thus, the simuldub initiative began with uh, two shows as a bit of a test run to see if they could do what they did with Dandy, but with their other shows. Uh, those first two shows were Laughing Under the Clouds and Psychopath Season 2. And uh, thinking about it, these choices actually made a lot of sense, because uh, Laughing Under the Clouds, it's a new anime, but it only had like 12 episodes, so it's not a big commitment if it doesn't do well. And they already did Psychopath Season 1, so they pretty much have all the groundwork laid for doing Season 2. Yeah, and that was kind of a hit. So, it, you know, a known commodity. So it would probably be more along the lines of, like, a safe bet type of thing. Yeah, you could actually, like, test out, test drive. It was a better place to test drive this idea. And also they could kind of do it on their own time a bit because uh, they didn't air this on TV. They made these simuldubbed episodes available on their website for, for uh, their subscribers. And needless to say, this was a success, and with the 2015 winter anime season, they would just go all in on simuldubs yeah. as they just started dubbing a shit ton of shows like Ass Class, Death Parade, Maria the Virgin Witch, Rolling Girls, like pretty much almost everything they could get that that season. And also around that time, that's when I started to get into uh, streaming anime and following things more season, season to season. And I never looked back since then. Dandy. I kind of got to thank Dandy for, for this. Yeah, you can make a case that that's where, like, it all really got rolling. And now simuldubs are the norm, for better or for worse. And now, like, not only not only are they coming from Funimation, now Crunchyroll, but also, like, Sentai on High Dive, Viz on, like, Hulu or whatever, or, like, even, you know, Netflix with, like, their... Uh, on occasion. On, on occasion. You can all trace it back to Dandy for kind of kickstarting this whole new trend. I mean, in, it, wasn't, it wasn't the first, but it certainly really laid the groundwork and set the model. It put it on the map, and I think, you know, the fact that it is a Watanabe anime, and the fact that it aired on TV, on Toonami, in front of at least a million people. It's really trial by fire for, for the crew of Funimation, really. Yeah, and it also kind of goes to show how, you know, during those early years of the uh, Toonami reboot, how they were able to, like, 
reach a wide enough audience to like get people talking about this. Like it shows the power of Dandy and Toonami just with this one little show that lasted until less for nine months. Ah, beautiful work, man. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck! What a show! Equal yeah. Heart's funny and melancholy. I mean, if you've seen it... Contemplative. If you haven't seen Space Dandy, go watch it. If you have seen Space Dandy, you're due for a rewatch. Watch Trust it me. again. I think more than any other anime we've ever done here for it's, the podcast, this is the one I can't recommend. It's the, so fun. Like any... This is the one I can't recommend any anymore. <laughs> yeah, because I, I remember when you guys were... When you guys, when we were starting this whole process, like, I I watched, like... Rather, I freaking, can't recommend it enough. <laughs> I watched, like, nine episodes in a day. I, I hadn't done that in years. Yeah, that's another thing. This is an easy watch. You can just blast through a bunch of episodes in a go. Yeah, just so much fun. But even then, don't blame your way through it. Savor it. Enjoy it. Yeah, yeah I we to, say that, but, like, I, yeah, <laughs> as much as we, like, say, like... Yeah, I had to slow myself down. You really. consume the I had series, to force like, it. <laughs> take it slow with it too. Like appreciate the finer points of each episode. Or if you are gonna blam through it, then you can just watch it again and again and again and again until we're all dead. Never Next. ending dandy, baby. Explore Never all the work that dandy. each animation team put into each individual episode because it really was an event at that time. Yeah, that's another thing and like, a big selling point. Yeah, because I remember like uh, animation Sakuga Twitter was going nuts like. Okay, guys, here's the here's the capture list for uh, the key animators for this week. Let's go nuts. Let's figure out who did what. <laughs> yeah, like, if you've never seen Masaki Yuasa anime or a Sayu Yamamoto anime, like, this could also be a gateway for, like, a whole new world. Great like, sampler pack. Yeah, like, exactly what it is. <laughs> it's the it's the boobies uh, appetizer platter and of anime. I would honestly, while I'm fine with where things are with Dandy now, I would honestly like to see... I kind of hope for a comeback because I would love to see like what other animators and directors and studios could do with Dandy. Like, can you imagine an episode of Dandy done by Studio Trigger? <sighs> that would be cool, but like, the thing with that is that like, or like an episode of Dandy done by Studio Orange in like the Beastar style. Ooh. I get the impression that Dandy. I, I, I see it more as like a flash in a pan yeah it could like, be I don't know if we could do this exact same series over again with the same philosophy like creative philosophy behind it yeah I'm and sorry I just don't think that fair and I and I think a big reason for you to argue in your favor is because of the general overwork of the entire industry that anymore. is true the yeah in the like eight years. are you really gonna have time to do just crazy crazy balls to the wall shit in between like season five of like i woke up in another world and now i have this vibrator yeah because like in the, i don't know yeah. just made up <laughs> it's such an overworked <laughs> industry well yeah in the eight years between dandy ending and now like studios are now more overworked than than they are before like I don't know, maybe a Studio Mava can do that, but they do that at the risk of, like, injuring their animators. Yes. Yeah, and potentially throwing off, like, I don't know, My Hero or some shit. Yeah. That's not Mava, though. God forbid we delay My Hero Academia. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I can I can agree with that. Like, keep keep Dandy as this one thing. I like it just the way it is. Yeah. Just a... It's, a, it's a lovely memory of... I don't know if I'm going to say a better time, but I'm going to say a better time in the world. I think it's and a... just anime, anime in general. I miss you, Dandy. I love you. I think it's a, I think it's a gorgeous uh, snapshot of a place and time where like 
like, you know, they really wanted to, like, this whole crew just really wanted to epitomize what anime, what animation in Japan could really put out in the sort of, like, artistic heights it could reach. And I think it, uh, I think it overall succeeded. They nailed it in, in an incredible way. Absolutely. That I don't know if it'll ever be replicated. Watch Space Dandy. God damn it. <laughs> I think we ended that on a good note. Yeah. <laughs> what a joy. And what a joy it's been discussing it with yeah, you Yeah, thanks two, for folks. joining us with yeah, this. Yeah, thank you for joining, joining us. Anytime. And thank you all for listening, as I've been your host, Mikey. And you can find me at my social medias, at Mikey Shiota on Twitter, MikeyShiota.tumblr.com, <clears throat> and Mikey Shiota on the gram, where can we find you, Ryan? You can find me at 2Bits on Twitter and Wolfish Grin on Tumblr. And thank you all for joining us for this very long podcast. <laughs> and where can we find you, Tony? Hi. You can find me at twitter.com slash Tonedog and Tonedog38 on the gram. And follow Anime Bebe on Twitter at Anime underscore Bebe. That's Anime underscore B-A-Y, B-A-Y. Also follow the show at AnimeBebe.podbean.com, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. And despite these big two episodes, we're still not done with Summer of Toonami. Nope, we got summer. Summer rolls on. Summer never ends. Never-ending summer here on Anime. Summer doesn't end until we say it does. But next time, Summer of Toonami wraps up as we will close things out with one of Toonami's more recent and original shows. As we're going to end the summer in the fall with one of my favorites of 2021. As we will be talking all about... Fena Pirate Princess. What timing for Fena. <laughs> <laughs> mm, true. Yeah. Yeah. We'll talk more about that next time. <laughs> yes. Kind of glad you waited, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, because we probably would have looked like fools if we were talking about yep. a series that got pulled from every platform. <clears throat> Still on iTunes, though. For now. <laughs> Purchase. Bye, bye, buy, bye. Buy, buy, buy it now and download it, please. I uh, should do that. This, Fuck this industry sometimes. What a world. I'm sure you will have words to say about that. I'll have a lot of words about the Warner Brothers Discovery merger uh, next time. Ooh, yeah. boy. But in the midst of all that, I can still at least take solace knowing that I'll at least talk about a fun swashbuckling adventure to close out this tsunami kind of summer in the fall. I mean, I'll, I'll still be fair in my judgment to Fena, but like, yeah, it's it's it got done dirty. Yeah. It did. But until then... Stay safe out there. Get vaxxed, get boosted, wear a mask, Black Lives Matter, transgender are human rights, stop Asian hate, abortion rights are human rights. Try and make it a good year. Also, unionize anime doves. Hey, yeah. Yeah, and don't, yeah. Yeah, unionize anime Unions doves. Unions are cool. Let's go. And just like that, I've killed any chance of us getting a Crunchyroll sponsorship. Oh, <laughs> good, good. I mean, good, yeah. We yeah. don't need their money. I don't need your stinking money. <laughs> Till next time, this has been Anime, anime Baby. Baby. baby.
Space Dandy, he's a dandy guy in space. He combs the galaxy like his pompadour on the hunt for aliens. Planet after planet he searches, discovering bizarre new creatures both friendly and not. These are the spectacular adventures of Space Dandy and his brave space crew in space. Space Dandy. 